guys, it's me Blue. Welcome or welcome back to B&B Anime. I am Blue, I just already said that, but there is also another person with me. The, uh, the, think of an adjective, the extra special, that's really mundane, that's all I came up with. <laughs> the extra special, Brad. Hello, Brad. <laughs> I, I wanted to sit quiet and just let you hear crickets, but no, instead you just you just made it all the more better, honestly. <laughs> I'm 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 pleased. <laughs> and I'm cutting out none of that. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. <laughs> Every bit of that's being left in. So hi, how are you? I'm doing really good. Uh, I feel much better for having uh, a night's rest in between recording the last episode and this episode. How are you? I am doing much better than I was doing at the end of the podcast last night. I will say that. Yeah, you nearly crashed on me there. <laughs> I wasn't the only one. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I had like, I'd like gone past the point of being tired into hype mode. I was like, yeah, let's finish this. <laughs> Yeah, it was 2 a.m. for me. I was out of caffeine. I was out of things to drink in general at that point. That's why I brought three in here with me today, because I'm like, I'm ready to go. I just got a giant iced coffee. You see, I should have I should have stopped and got myself an iced coffee, but iced coffee for me was out of the way. And also, I get off work at 5. So, I don't know if it's the same in Canada, but here, 5 o'clock is like massive fucking rush hour and like everybody is in drive throughs trying to get things so i'm like mm, nah i'll pass on iced coffee nah fam yeah i would i i five o'clock is rush hour but um i live in such a tiny area that rush hour is like four cars so that's not too terrible then no no especially considering that i i grew up in england where rush hour is piccadilly circus yeah here Whenever there's more than two cars on the road, it's rush hour. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, tis a shame. Yeah, such a shame. Oh yeah, such a shame. <laughs> I'd never have to wait in any queues. It's the worst. Ah, uh, tisk tisk. But yeah, what have you been up to? I mean, in the incredible time difference between the recordings. Um. So by the time this comes out, The Last of Us Two is gray. I loved it, but no, <laughs> no. <laughs> like it's it's just been work. I slept, I woke up, and went to work. And then that's it. That's all I've done. Nice. I have done a similar amount of um, mundane. I have cleaned some dishes, watered the plants, checked on the robin, and uh, scared the robin. The robin scared the life out of me too, so, you know, fair play. And uh, yeah, I read some manga, did some more planning. I don't know, like, it's just been really ordinary. <laughs> Just just an ordinary day. Ordinary day. I slept in. I had a really bad night's sleep, actually. I Yeah, I just couldn't get to sleep for some reason. I think I was still on, like, the hype. You know, when you get, like, overtired and you get really, really, like, past your point of tired, so you get excited and energetic and the adrenaline starts going, and then you go down to rest and you can't sleep. Yeah, you get that, like, massive second wind. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I didn't actually end up getting to sleep until sunrise, so... Yeah, I, I, when I say I slept in, I didn't really, because I got my regular amount of sleep. It just happened later than it would normally happen. I'm, I'm totally not jealous because I slept very little. Oh. And I went to bed super late, so I was like, mm, this is, this is happiness. One of the best feelings in the world is when your arms are like cold, when your arms are cold to the touch, 
and then you get into bed and that feeling of your arms slowly start like warming up mm-hmm. and you like squish down and you cover yourself in the in the covers and you just like turn into a little meatball best feeling in the world yes best feeling yeah but also i feel like that feeling usually for me hits like whenever i wake up really so it's like i, I really like don't want to move i don't want to go anywhere oh uh, yeah 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 because typically by the time i get like fully laid down to go to bed it's after you stream even though i'm in bed while you stream mm-hmm. so therefore like i don't really like i'm comfortable but i'm not like just like super comf mm-hmm. like my body hasn't settled nor does it really settle until like i said like typically right before i wake up it might just be because of how little i usually sleep yeah you don't get a normal human hours worth of sleep i do not however i'm uh i'm gonna live with it <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I'll make it work. <laughs> I do not recommend. I recommend you try and get um, what is it, seven to nine hours worth of sleep every night. Mm, so listen, I tried to push myself to six. It didn't happen, fam. Yeah, you you need to you need to try and sleep some more. <laughs> mm, no. Okay then. Okay. <laughs> Do you look, take naps? Like, no, I do not take naps. No, I love a good like, nap. Unless it's like my day to crash, like I really don't, I really don't take naps. Uh, I love naps. Unfortunately, I wish I could take naps. That would be nice, but no. Like, and it's weird because I can force myself to go to sleep. Mm. Like, I'm not one of those people that like have trouble going to sleep. Yeah, like, typically, me. whenever I tell myself to go to sleep, like I'm out, I'm yeah. gone. See you, bye. It's funny, because, like, I can sleep in really, really odd areas. Like, um, I'm really good at sleeping on airplanes or in cars or um, in trains. <laughs> I don't know, somebody else's house, couches, random seats. Like, I'm fine. It's, I can sleep anywhere. But mm-hmm. funnily enough, one of the hardest places I have, like, one of the most troubling places I have to sleep is my own bed. Mm-hmm. Because I think it's, like, a thinking space for me. <laughs> Um, I don't know why, but it, it's I quite often get into bed and then come up with so many ideas for projects that I'm working on, planning schedules, uh, random like marketing ideas for companies that I don't have any association with. But I'm like, well, I just thought of your next six month plan. Like, you're welcome that I'm never going to tell you about. So you're not going to know. But, you know, there's a thing, um, you know, <laughs> stories, entire like year-long stories like i'll think of some stories and i'll have them continuing going for like years you know and so it's like ah what should i think about tonight well i'll think about this story about these characters that i've been dreaming about since i was seven you know have you have you thought of potentially writing a book and like trying to get these out uh i've thought of it and i've even attempted it but i'm not a good writer um in the sense that like I mean, I can get words down and they, they're quite articulate and it sounds all right to read back at, to, to read back to mm-hmm. myself, I guess. Uh, it sounds fine. And I'm decent at writing, but I'm not good at rounding off ideas and, like, completing stuff. Um, I mm-hmm. think I'm much more of a initial spark kind of person as opposed to <laughs> a complete, well-thought-out plan. Because, like, even these stories that I've had going for so many, like, years and so long... They're too jumbled, you know? They're too, oh, well, then this would happen because it's a magical dream world, so I don't need to worry about plots, you know? And then it's like, well, (laughs) 
that that doesn't translate if somebody was reading at that in a, that in a book they'd be like what is this craziness someone's just word vomited onto a page it doesn't make any sense your brain runs entirely on uh <clears throat> it runs entirely on anime logic honestly that's, that's what happens yeah well that and i also think that you know because i have add we've discussed this and mm-hmm. when i i've learned to kind of think before i speak because i mean obviously there are times when i get hyper and my add goes wild but dream time mm-hmm. in my thoughts um i don't need to do that i don't need to have that kind of structural thought process um and so it's a, i suppose it is kind of a like a winding down thing before i sleep because i'm like relaxing from that structure of thinking before i speak of you know trying to word things in my head before i articulate them of trying to make sure that what I'm actually talking about is relevant to the subject. It isn't just some random thought that it just popped into my head. Um, and yeah, so I feel like, I don't know. I don't, th- I don't think that anyone, I mean, unless you have ADD, then you might find it really interesting because it would just be the madness that's inside your own head. So Interesting. But, I've, but I mean, I get some of the things to where since I don't have ADD, like it, I don't get it. I understand where you're coming from. And I realize where it's like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I want to know how your brain works in a sense, I guess. So then I'm like, I sit there and think like if my brain ran at a million miles an hour, like yours does, I think it would fry. I mean, it's taxing. I'm not going to lie. Like <laughs> I do burn out quicker than a lot of other people I find. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's when I talk to people about how many thought processes they have going at once, like how many, how many voices you have in your head. That's not like voices in my head. That's like, you know, internal, your your internal voice. Yeah, like your inner monologue. Yeah, your inner monologue. How many of those you have going at the same time? And the different answers between different people are fascinating. But for me, I have probably about three or four. I think I usually have between like two or three, depending on like what's going on. Mm-hmm. I guess it just depends on like how much I'm trying to like mentally multitask, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because at work, I think I have like five or six going at the same time. We're like, oh, I need to do this and this and this and this and this. Yeah. So I don't know. I guess it all just depends on like what's going on around yeah. me. Yeah. Because like I can be, this is this is something that messes with my head so much. Like the idea that I can be thinking about what I'm going to say, saying something else out loud, and then thinking about the fact that I am thinking about what I'm thinking about to then say. Like, how screwed up is that? Like, doesn't isn't that fascinating? That is. Like, that is absolutely fascinating. Like, the human brain is mad. It is. It's it's wild. Yeah. The amount of shit that it goes through. You can be thinking, but while you are actively thinking, you are also actively thinking about something else. Like, mm. that is mad. <laughs> it is. It is wild. Simultaneous thinking just blows my mind because I'm like, because uh, I think the thing about it is, I think, I think, I think, is that because we only have one mouth, we can only hold one conversation at a time. We can only say one thing, right? Mm-hmm. But our brain doesn't have the limit of only having one mouth, but we put the same limit on our brain because of our personification of our brain. Mm-hmm. So you kind of cap your brain as to only be able to articulate one thing at a time. Because of the fact that you can only verbalize one thing at a time, that in actuality, your brain doesn't have the same limits that your physical body does, right? Mm-hmm. But then you think about the fact that the thing that made us do that is our brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
brain is wild right although so since we're on the topic of the brain have you ever seen the limitless film no i haven't so essentially it's a film about a drug to where you know how they say like humans only have the ability to use 10 percent of their brain mm-hmm. it's a drug that allows them to use a hundred percent of their brain mm-hmm. and so it goes through the process of this dude who is basically a nobody and he takes the drug and instantly he like teaches himself how to do all of this shit in like the span of three days wow and he like becomes a stock trader and instantly becomes a millionaire and like figures out like all this other cool stuff to where it's just like the brain is just wild mm. it's like i get the fact that we say we can only use 10 percent of it i think it's 10 percent at any one time in actuality mm-hmm. You know, like, we use 100% of the brain, but we don't use 100% of the brain all the time. Mm-hmm. So, it's wild to think, what would happen if we could? Right. Like, that's a fascinating thought to sit and think about. Yeah, I would implode. I would just be like, this is this is too much. <laughs> oh, you know what I thought of the other day? That um, I, I It's something I had read a really long time ago, um, mm-hmm. but hadn't, like, thought of for a long period of time. But yesterday, it popped back into my head again. And it makes so much sense to me, and it just makes me feel so much better about anxiety, because, like, both you and I um, are anxiety sufferers, for those who are listening mm-hmm. at home and don't know. And anxiety sucks. If you haven't had anxiety, I do not recommend. If you do have anxiety, you know what it's like. Um, it sucks. But something that I, I read made me feel so much better about it, because it was, like, back in the primitive age, which is actually really relevant to what we're talking about today with our second episode of Dr. Stone, um, mm-hmm. but, uh, back in the primitive age, um, we were not necessarily top predators on the food chain because obviously like we don't have giant teeth and claws. So although mm-hmm. we have the ability to use tools and stuff before we had that, like before we had everything that we needed for that, uh, we had to kind of live in the wild with not being a top predator with there being like lions and tigers and bears. Oh my. Um, and, and so, uh, we have a fear response to going outside because if there is, if we're scared when we're walking through like a forest and there is no like anxious, like there's no like um, signs that there's anything around us, there could still be something following us. So we need to be alert at all times. So we have anxiety, mm-hmm. right? So all I'm saying is, and what what I read was is that what happening what's happening now is because we're so comfortable in our environment and we don't have that release to get rid of our fear of when we encounter something that's a predator or or walking through a forest where we have to be on guard it all of a sudden sparks up and our tiger fear juice is just like hey my dude I'm here hanging out with you to keep you safe for possible predators that may be lurking in the bushes but uh yeah, I, there aren't any because we're in civilization. So that made me feel <laughs> like a lot better about it. I don't know. If you just think of it as like a primitive predator response, like that, I've, I don't know. It was cool to think about. I mean, I think I read an article somewhere too about like that's the way the human brain works with like the sound of like nails scratching on a chalkboard or for me, like styrofoam rubbing oh, together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but that, like, even thinking about it, like, every last hair on my body is standing up right now. You know what it is for me? I cannot stand that noise. What? It's when your teeth squeak against each other. Ooh. (laughs) So, question. That one point in Demon Slayer to where the goop demon was, like, running his teeth together, did that bother you? Oh, my God. It was so bad. (laughs) Oh, no. My brother is, my brother has, um, what is it, um massophonia is that it the like he he doesn't like the mouth noises um i 
don't... I think that's... I don't I'm know. I'm not sure. I don't know, but he's got that thing where, like, if I am, like, anywhere near him and I happen to, like, take an extra large bite of chips or something, I don't know, and he hears, like, a mouth noise, he cannot handle it. And he always, like, that's the one thing... That we're very, very close, but that's the one thing that we squabble over, is him being like, you're eating loudly, and I'm like, I'm just eating, like... <laughs> I've I've never been called out on my table manners by anybody except for you. You're the only person who yells at me for my table manners. Like, I'm sorry, I'm just eating. Um, I was like, don't ever edit audio then if you don't like mouth noises, dude, because, oh boy, you get loads of them. Um, oh yeah, especially doing what you and I do with, like, voice acting and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I had no clue that my mouth made as many noises as it did whenever <laughs> I spoke. <laughs> Like, I'll be sitting there editing audio, and I'll be like, what the fuck is that? Is that what my mouth sounds like on a regular basis? Now, thankfully, the podcast isn't really that bad, because it's more or less just like a conversation, so we're not, like, focusing on our voice all that much. But when you're trying to do weird things, then yeah, it gets it gets pretty uh, nice and salivary up in there. It's a fun time. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I will say is that I don't, I don't have the thing that your brother has however with certain people like it does get to the point to where i hate to hear them breathe mm. or like any noise they make just like really grinds my gears i i yeah i agree with you there is certain people that just like absolutely i can't be around them because i just end up wanting to punch them for no reason and i'm not a violent person i mean i sound like i'm violent but i'm not actually violent <laughs> Nah, you're just you're just really mean to me. <laughs> just specifically to Brad, you know. Um, yeah, I totally get what you mean. Where it's just like, oh, that one person for no fault of their own. Just I I don't know. I want to know the psychology behind that. Why why we have such visceral reactions to certain people? And it's like I like I might not even have issues with that person. Yeah. Now, if I do have issues with that person, it's like turned up to ten. Oh yeah. But, like, they'll just be sitting there breathing. And I'm like, could you just stop? Yeah, could you please? just not? Yeah. I think anyone who has a sibling kind of knows that. Because I feel like every sibling has gone through that moment with with their, uh, with their sibling. That's just like, hey, would you just stop breathing? Like, would you just, like, no, I don't want you to die. I just want you to leave. Like, just go, just, I don't, stop, please. Like, yeah, just please stop. Just stop. Arigato yeah. gozaimasu. Yeah, because I remember being like in the back seat of the car with my brother and just being like, you, oh, I could gouge your eyes out right now. So yeah, again, again, it's such visceral reactions to siblings. Like, I mean, my brother is my best friend. Like we are as close as you can possibly get sibling wise. I still have those like memories of being so excessively emotional of being like, I want to murder you. Of course, never did anything, but you know. I wonder why. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know. Like I, <laughs> I have no yeah. answer to that. Well, because like, if you think about it from like a primitive perspective, again going back to this, you're raised around your siblings, right? So that you can learn from them, practice fighting, survival. We're community. We're social animals, social creatures. So we need that level of children being around each other to learn how to interact with other creatures of our being. And so I wonder if it's like a a training thing for kids to have that that feeling, but to not act on it. Because it's so rare for siblings to actually, like, attack each other. Like, if you think about how many days siblings are together, really together, and then 
how many sets of siblings there are in the world and how few stories you hear of siblings actually attacking each other. Like, there must be some kind of, like, barrier mentally to stop siblings from doing that. And yet the emotions that lead up to that barrier are so strong. And it makes me wonder if it's like a, you know, you see like lion cubs wrestling with their siblings. It makes me wonder if it's like something like that, like to to train you to feel that like, ah, emotion for then you to be able to use Mm. practically when you're then hunting as an adult. Yeah. And then maybe it's something just because it's like human nature to want to breed and carry on relationships with people so maybe it's just like with the thought of marriage and whatnot knowing you're going to be with that person forever Mm. in a sense and like you're going to be spending like that much amount of time with another Mm. person and then like having children and whatnot like after that as Mm. well like maybe it could just be training for stuff like that just to like get you used to like having to permanently be with somebody for a bare minimum 18 Mm. years And then, like, even carrying on after that with marriage and whatnot. Who knows? Yeah, I wonder when the concept of marriage was first started. Because, like, obviously marriage is a contract nowadays and has been a contract for a couple of hundred years, a few hundred years Mm. prior to, like, when it it wasn't. But, like, the initial start of, of when humans decided that... Because the in... Yeah, this is, this is curious to me. Because there are certain creatures, like, I think swans mate for life. And then mm-hmm. there are other creatures that obviously don't mate for life, like, you know, dogs, cats, that kind of stuff. Um, but humans seem to have actively chosen to mate for life because it doesn't seem like it's part of our instinct to do so. It feels like we've created it as a social thing because, like, we don't have that, like, because, like, a swan. I mean, swans don't have the same level of brain function that we do, but, like, they would never... I don't... Actually, I don't know much about swans, but I don't feel like... Uh, because of the, the... I don't know, maybe it's just a misrepresentation of the mate-for-life thing, but, like, they wouldn't ever, like, break up and go find another swan. But, like, we serially date before we find someone and then settle down with them, but even then we have divorce and just separation and, like, things like that. So it doesn't seem like part of our it's part of our connection to like oh we just have to that's it we're this is it we're in it for life you know i don't know it could have something to do with like i would think that marriage has been around since ancient times because you had like ancient greek mythology and then even in like ancient chinese mythology you have the like story about the the jinn or the jinn i'm never i'm not sure how to pronounce that but it's a bird that has one wing and one eye, so it has to find like a permanent mate, so that way it has the ability to fly and mm. carry on. So yeah. could be around since ancient times. I don't. I Even don't know. Even then, with 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 ancient times, there was always extras. You know, like if you look to like royal families in multiple cultures, you'll see that like, yeah, the king had his wife, or you know, the the emperor had his I don't know empress, I guess. But there were always like mistresses and like cool boys and like you know people on the side you know yeah so i don't i don't know like human nature and human history is fascinating yeah i think so too but i don't think humans are the mate for life type i think we've chosen to do that Mm -hmm. like i don't think it's part of our dna you know yeah although we do have this element of jealousy and dogs don't have jealousy Mm -hmm. or at least not that we know of I mean, dogs do get jealous. Yeah. Like if you like if you pet one dog and your other dog's watching, like you can tell that your dog's jealous. 
but like mm. they I don't know whether or not they would have jealous within their own jealousy within their own pack. But with cats though, because dogs are social creatures, but cats aren't. Oh, this is fascinating. This is this is a like <laughs> this has been a tangent that's like been extremely thought provoking. Mm. It's not just been one of our mindless tangents that we go on for absolutely no reason. No, yeah. I, I feel like I need to do a bunch of research on this now because I'm genuinely curious. All the documentaries will be watched. <laughs> All of them. Every single documentary. Every single one. Netflix, get ready. We're coming for you. But yeah. Or Blue's coming for you. I'm I'm not going to do any digging. I'm too lazy for that. You know how much anime and manga I have to read right now? <laughs> I should not have gotten a sub subscription to Viz because my god. <laughs> Dr. Stone, my hero. And then, okay, so they have like all 400 chapters of Food Wars. Oh boy. Yeah, so that's that's a heads up. That That's a thing. Yeah, I need to, <laughs> I think, I need to see if there's actually new content on the new Prince of Tennis because I actually haven't looked for probably over a year about the new Prince of Tennis. But anyway, before we go on a whole other tangent, because you guys know I could talk about Prince of Tennis all day, um, let's uh, let's let's hear if we have any news, even though I said that we weren't going to have any news, but we actually might have some secret news because Brad messaged me uh, that we may possibly have some secret news. Yes. And so since we're on the topic of new things, season two of ReZero has officially gotten its release date set for July 8th. Ah. I sent you the trailer for this. Did you watch you it? I did. I didn't. I I, I, I I sent this to you to have something to talk about. Banana. I know, I'm sorry. Get it together. <laughs> I'm excited, though. Does that count? No. No, it doesn't. I wanted to talk about it. I want to be like, oh, my God. Like I, I wanted to have a friend to gush over it with. But no, you have... You have hurt me again. I can gush. I can be like, it's really good. I'm going to watch it later, but I'm sure it's amazing. (laughs) But yeah, I watched it and I was just like, wait, because you know how whenever we talked about the promotional image back whenever it was just about to drop before COVID started Mm -hmm. and the promotional image, there's a white haired woman like standing behind Amelia and Subaru. Mm -hmm. Well, we actually find out who she is in this trailer. And she's actually not Satella, who is the actual witch. Oh, okay. Because, but here's the thing though. Like if you haven't watched ReZero and you want none of this spoiled, like skip ahead a couple minutes, few minutes, whatever, either way. We had talked about it being Satella, who's the witch. However, looking at the trailer, it looks like, this white-haired woman has the ability to transport Subaru, like, into a different plane. And she, like, invites him to the tea party. And then she asks him, she's like, so, are you the sin of greed? So, I'm honestly, like, curious, like, how... Because at first they accused him of being pride. Now she's accusing him of being the sin of greed. So are we going to go through all of the sins? Is that what's happening? Maybe, because I... I'm not sure, because we've seen Sloth. So I'm curious as to who she would be because i don't foresee her being lust no so i don't i don't know although one thing i can say from watching this trailer i'm probably going to ball i'm probably gonna ball a lot (laughs) tears will be shed oh because i could already see like a bunch of tears in the trailer i'm just like oh boy this is this is gonna get rough this is gonna be real rough we're gonna have to uh watch that in our own time and and do a little segment on that in a future episode because uh, we have everything already planned out, so we're not going to be able to add it in when it first releases, but we can uh, definitely watch it in our own time. 
and then talk about it quickly. Yes, talk about it because especially with like all the weekly starting to come out again, I feel like it'll give us time to where if we watch it like in between recordings, we can talk about it beforehand. Mm-hmm. Like whenever we're going through about how everything's going, because I'm going to be watching basically everything because there's so much coming back out between Sword Art, ReZero, Food Wars. Like there is so much that's about to be coming out and I'm going to have to watch all of it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, honestly, we have so much that we need to cover and so much that we need to watch and so much more that's coming out. <laughs> and then there's... Uh... <laughs> Then we have projects like voiceover projects and everything else that we're working on outside of this. We have <laughs> we have real jobs. Now now do you understand why I sleep three and a half hours a night? There's not enough time in the day to do everything. <laughs> there are not enough hours in the day. I was gonna say I just like started doing sketch videos and oh my god, okay. This is the reason so I haven't been do. streaming. I don't have time. <laughs> don't have time to stream. But also, on the topic of new, we had the reveal of the PlayStation 5 today. Does that not look slick? It does look very, very slick. If you haven't seen it, I do recommend you take a quick peek. So, with all of the exclusives that are being announced for it, I am beyond excited for all of these titles that are going to be coming out with it. Mm. Have you ever heard of a little game called Demon Souls? Oh. It was the initial game in... The Soul series, so it was prior to Dark Souls and Bloodborne and all that. Mm-hmm. One thing I will say is that Demon Souls was the hardest game out of the bunch. They had to patch it to make it easier because most people couldn't beat the final world. <laughs> like, they had to make it easier for people to be able to beat it. So they are completely remaking Me it. With Spyro. For, oh yeah, definitely you with Spyro. <laughs> You you poor soul. <laughs> oh god, the first that last jump on the first game, the the last world, the three ramp jump. If you guys have played Sparrow, you'll know. Blue Blue has not been having a fun time. You you were not having a no, fun I, time at all. Oh. You tried that for what like three streams straight. <laughs> I can't do it. I cannot do it. I've just moved on to the second game now because it's not possible like people are just like this is what you have to do i'm like i know what i have to do thank you so much for telling me i greatly appreciate your input now sit in the corner and watch me fail a thousand times because i know what i'm i have to do but the fact of the matter is i can't do it i uh like here's here's part of the thing though i feel like with it being with it being a remake they didn't like i feel like they didn't flesh it out a hundred percent to where it still feels Mm. And now, granted, I didn't play it on the PS4, which is what they initially made it for. I think the PC version is a port, so it mm. might not be, like, the best for the PC. However, like, I haven't played it on the PS4 to fully test the theory. However, at least playing it on the PC, it doesn't feel as good as it should with it being a complete overhaul. Because mm. I remember playing the original, like, way back on the PlayStation 1. And then playing it on the PS4 with it being a remake and not a remaster, I'm just like, I don't, I don't think this feels as good as it should being like a current gen game. So mm-hmm. I don't know. So like, I feel your frustrations, but I love to watch your frustrations. It's great. <laughs> I'm going to blame the fact that uh, I am very not used to controllers. That's what I'm going to blame. It's just, but that's why. controllers um, should make your life easier because you were really not having a fun time on mouse and keyboard. Yeah, but that's because it's not made for mouse and keyboard. If it was made for mouse and keyboard, I'd be kicking that boy's 
ass. You know, I I just want to play a shooter with you because I want to see you play something that's made for a mouse and keyboard and see how well you enjoy that. <laughs> <laughs> I will PvP you in Minecraft. Oh, will you? <laughs> I will. We will PvP in Minecraft and I'll kick your sorry ass. Okay, you know what? I, I have a server, so I'll, I'm going to need you to put your money where your mouth is. 1v1, PvP, best of three, you're Coming on. Coming soon to a stream near you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so Demon Souls remake, I am extremely excited for. And then also, Horizon Zero Dawn. The second game got announced, and oh, you excited? Horizon Zero Dawn is one of the most visually stunning games I have ever played. It was the first game I played whenever I first got my PS4 Pro, and oh, blue. Oh boy, it is so pretty. So I am so excited for the second one. I, uh, I'm excited for it. You also have... They announced another Spider-Man game to be a PS5 exclusive mm-hmm. that's going to focus on Miles Morales, which is going to be awesome. And then they announced a new Resident Evil. Oh. So I see more stuff for you to have to stream in for October streams. What? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> My life is so packed and people just keep coming out with more cool stuff. Like, can we have a break? I know, like, wasn't... Uh, like, COVID was supposed to be, like, a break for new content, and then all it did was postpone it for a bit, and now it's all coming out all at once, and it feels really overwhelming. Well, I mean, on the bright side, at least with Resident Evil, you don't have to do anything like that until October, but then your life is going to be full of horror games for a while. Oh my god, I can't handle- you know, last- last October, when I was doing those horror streams, I- was so scared after, like, every stream. I would, like, finish streaming, and then it'd be like, it's nighttime when I finish, and I'm the last one awake, because my brother ends his streams before I do. And so he was, like, already done, and, like, the house was quiet, my parents were, like, fast asleep, the dogs were asleep, so I would just, like, get out of my office, and it would just be, like, pitch black around the house. It's- it's- really dark really early in October and so it's just like okay great now I'm gonna get attacked by carpet monsters like this is what's gonna happen now (laughs) it's not Pokemon it's it's not pocket monsters it's carpet monsters (laughs) you like flip the light off on your office like sprint down the hallway to the bedroom I do no I'm not even kidding that's true like it's Like, I still do that every time, you know, when, like, you go to the bathroom in the night, and then you have to, like, book it back into bed, jump through the edge, like, from the center of your room into bed, because if you get too close to your bed, then the monster that's hiding under your bed can stick its hands out and grab you, so you have to jump over the arm's reach of that monster, get into bed, quickly hide under the duvet before the closet monster can get you. It's a whole thing, you know? No, no, I don't get what you're saying. And the only reason I don't get what you're saying is because I'm fat, okay? I cannot yeet myself <laughs> onto the bed from halfway across the room. I will break my fucking bed. <laughs> oh. <laughs> if I do that, all you're gonna hear is... Oh. <laughs> I say this from personal experience. Oh, no. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> yeah um it, uh huh <laughs> but yeah so you're you're gonna be in for a fun time this october you're, yeah. you're in for a great time i was just gonna say it's a, it's a good job 
Um, I don't live with a partner because they would just get jumped on every <laughs> night. Um, <laughs> Blue goes to bed in a Randy Savage outfit and like just elbow drops whoever's <laughs> in bed. Just, oh yeah! <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, that hurt. I haven't done that vocal impression in years. That hurt. <laughs> oh no! Vocal warm-ups. We've been doing nothing but talking. That is vocal (laughs) warm-ups. Oh, me. But yeah, that that takes care of news. (laughs) Okay, so um, I guess we'll just jump into the discussion. Uh, So throw up that spoiler wall immediately, because we've already discussed the first 12 episodes of this. If you missed the first part... Go be sure to watch, watch, listen, listen to that one first, um, because we do go through the first 12 episodes of uh, Dr. Stone. I didn't even mention what we were covering this this week at all. <laughs> I was just like, yeah, you know what we're covering? 40 minutes into the podcast, haven't spoken about it once. Um, <laughs> we, cash. We've literally been talking the entire time. That's, that's different. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um... So yeah, we've already um, discussed the first 12 episodes in that initial podcast episode as well. I did also do an overhaul of this um, anime. So if you want to know background information on it from the lovely Brad, if you want to know the basic premises of it and the overview of it um, to figure out whether or not it's something you're interested in watching, uh, that is the podcast episode for you to listen to. Not this one, because this one, uh, we are going to be diving straight into episode 13, which is called Masked Warrior. So yeah, spoiler warning up, I'll dive right into it. <laughs> so last time we left off um, at the, uh, they had just collected the sulfuric acid from the pond of sulfuric acid. Um, and and uh, Gimro had saved, no, yeah, Ginro had saved Chrome and Senku and Ginro and Chrome had gone back to the verge uh, with the collection of sulfuric acid and they can now get fully started on making the sulfur antibiotic. Chemical cooking happens. So last but not least, what they need to make the antibiotic is alcohol. So during the grand bout, which is tomorrow, if they can win, they'll be given as much alcohol as they can drink. Um, so Chrome and Senku are also entering the bout along with Kohaku, Ginro, and Kinro because they're trying to wear down the enemy. So it's like, as many people as we can get to fight Magma as possible, the better, because then obviously he's going to be more and more drained when he uh, ends up fighting either um, Ginro, Kinro, or Kohaku, but realistically um, either Kinro or Kohaku because Ginro uh, hasn't exactly done the most training for someone who's supposed to be a bridge warrior. (laughs) So, and it's actually been nearly a half a year since Senku has arrived at the village and he now enters it for the first time because it is quickly the next day and the grand bout um, is beginning. And so they, Senku actually meets Ruri who comes down from her like priestess tower thing to meet Senku and she asks Senku about his last name despite the village not having any it's like the members of the village they don't have last names because they didn't need one there's like I think they said there was 40 not children or elder members of the village uh they didn't say how many people in the village are in total but they said there was like 40 people of like working age shall we say um and so yeah none of like they don't have a need for having last names because they don't have people with the same name 
Um, so she asks him about his last name and he's like, well, how do you even know that last names exist? Um, but then she ends up collapsing before he can answer or she can speak any further. Um, so the conversation is cut really short. And Senku is pretty intrigued uh, by that, obviously, because he's like, well, how, how do you know about last names? Chrome was also practicing pinpoint ball busting. <laughs> That's that's what it was, just pinpoint ball busting. Yeah, 100%. Uh, so basically what he was trying to do is that if he uh, ends up facing Magma, because he is not a fighter of any means, um, he decided that he was going to practice pinpoint ball busting uh, with a spear with... Like, it's it's, it's a, like a practice spear, so it's a stick with a fluffy thing on the end. But yeah, he ended up getting pretty accurate there. When in doubt, if you don't think you're going to win, just just hit him in the balls. Just hit him in the balls. And so then the names are also drawn for the tournament. Um, and it is decided da, 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 that the absolute worst happens and Kinro is versing Magma in the very first uh, bout. So that's great. Uh, their person who they were hoping would win the whole tournament is facing the most aggressive person who they were trying to beat in the very first round so they're both like he's full strength and um it was the absolute best scenario that they could want uh not so Suika um oh yeah uh Senku has he made some like um uh caffeine drinks basically he just like got like a bunch of leaves and flowers and honey and stuff and made like a sugary caffeine drink and he was like what do you say? What's it called when you take drugs or you're an athlete? Um, like doping or taking steroids? Doping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're gonna win this with doping." Um, and it wasn't, it wasn't doping. It was just caffeine. But because none of them had ever had caffeine before, um, he was like, "This is gonna be like insane for them." But Ginro actually, when he heard about that, ate all of the raw ingredients to the caffeine drink, um, <laughs> and drank the caffeine drink. So then Suika is like, okay, well, I'll go and pick up some more sweet flag, which was the grass that grows by the river, to be able to make some more. So Suika runs off to go and get some more, and uh, everyone else heads to the main island for them to have the the fight. Oh yeah, Magma's henchmen got involved. Um, so yeah, his like little dude, which I actually did write, Mantle, his name's Mantle. As like the creepy little henchman that's like, I'm gonna tell everyone that a child drowned. Um, and that's basically what he did. He went back and told the group. He well, he got involved, he tied her to a tree, and he went back and told the rest of the group that she fell into the river. And um, even though they know that he's lying just because he's a slimy little git bag, Kohaku can't rest easy without without checking. I can't believe I just said that. Just like so casually. Um, <laughs> um Jeez, I've got a mouth on me sometimes. Um, just sometimes. Just sometimes. So, yeah, Kohaku, she's like, oh, I can't, you know, rest easy without checking. I just have to make sure that she's okay. So I'm going to quickly run down to the river and just make sure that she's fine. I'm the fastest out of the group. So I'll go and I'll be back by the time it's my fight. Her fight is the third fight. So she's like, well, Kimura Magma should take a while. Hopefully Kimura will win. Um, that fight, but even if he doesn't, like the fight with Mario, Magma will hopefully take a long time because they're both like pretty much on equal terms. 
Um, and then there's another fight between us, so I could be back in time. I'm, I just have to go check. So she runs off to go check, but she will be disqualified if she doesn't make it back in time. So uh, Kinro and Magma commence their fight, and Kinro is even with him in close combat. Like, they are doing really, really well, and everyone's kind of shocked. They're like, oh my god, Kinro, when did you get so strong? And he's like, mm, just cash, you know, easy peasy. <clears throat> um, that's not what he says at all. <laughs> Um, rules are rules um uh, so suika she's fine and she was actually yeah she was tied to a tree but she's fine so but she manages to escape by like rotating um and breaking the rope that way i wish i was as rotating as she is i don't know what i just said but we'll go with it it's fine um and so she manages to escape and she runs back but magma has actually like he's kind of like shocked that Kimro is keeping up with him so he takes a step back and puts some distance between them so that he can kind of assess the situation and I mean it's a good strategy when um working in hand-to-hand combat or in this case stick-to-stick combat I guess um so he puts some distance between them but Kimro because he has a fuzzy eye sickness um he cannot see um so he starts to get being he starts to get beat up pretty badly with the distance being put between them magma kind of catches on that distance is his weakness and um kimro is just not on the same level as magma anymore but suika having run back wearing her helmet that has the lenses in is able to tell that kimro can't see um because she's like i like i know what it looks like when somebody has when somebody has fuzzy eye sickness he can't see so she throws her watermelon rind into the arena and Kimro puts it on and now he can see and he is absolutely beating Magma the fuck up. He is major demolishing Magma and he says something really cool like, if I didn't have this fuzzy eye sickness, I would have surpassed you a long time ago. My strength is nothing compared to yours or something. I don't know. Was, he said something really cool like that. And I don't <clears> remember what it was. And trying to be cool. Got to be cool. He was pretty cool. And that's the episode of uh, end of episode 13. What did you think of their fight? Obviously, it continues in the next <clears throat> uh, episode. But what did you think of, up until this point of their fight? I was like, mm, you know what? This is this is pretty good. Not going to lie. Because it was like the dynamic was really interesting. And especially... Like, since they had talked about beforehand about Kinro having the fuzzy eye sickness because he had sat down with Ginro and Ginro was just like, hey, you know, you could ask Senku for glasses. And he's like, mm, no. Mm-hmm. So uh, you kind of go into it thinking, OK, he's he's probably going to have his ass handed to mm-hmm. him. But still, like the way they did it was cool. Uh, they made it enjoyable without a doubt. Yeah. And you can kind of see him feeling kind of guilty and questioning whether or not he should get glasses and stuff all the way up until the bout because Kohaku's just like she like when they were talking about the fact that Chrome and Senku had also entered the fight he was like well why have you entered when like when he asked because he's such a stickler for rules when he asked Kohaku why are you kind of trying to make this a team fight when it shouldn't be a team fight like this is going against the rules of the ceremony and stuff and she's like, anything to increase Rory's chances of living. And, or to, yeah, to increase the chances that we can give this medicine to Rory. Um, and you can kind of see at that point that he's like, questioning. Um, so then when he gets into this fight, I think he's so much more open to the idea of wearing glasses or like, receiving help from Suika. 
Because, like, I think if they hadn't gone through that bit, I don't think... I think he would have been such a stick for the rules, he wouldn't have worn the watermelon head. Um, But you can kind of see him Mm -hmm. kind of break down those... This being that much of a stickler for rules at this point. And he slowly does throughout the entire series. He breaks down more and more and more and realizes that maybe rules aren't, you know, as necessary as everyone makes them out to be um, in this sense. Um, Well, I feel like he like had his own like sense of like justice to himself mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. That weren't even necessarily rules. Because I think he also like at this point is starting to realize that Senku really isn't bad. Yeah. So therefore, like, the rules aren't necessarily... In line. Yeah, like, they don't necessarily, like, go, like, toe-to-toe with the current state of the world. Because once Senku is introduced to everybody, they're like, oh, like, maybe we really are primitive, so maybe we should change the way that we do things or be more open-minded to everything else going on. Mm -hmm. Totally. Totally. Uh, And I think that was a really good setup to this fight. Um, so it's, yeah, the fight was, I mean, it's a fight to fight. Um, but yeah, the setup to the fight was really good. I, um, enjoyed his character development and his further character development. Uh, but yeah, episode 14 is Master of Flame. Uh, Magma, uh, after being pretty beaten up by Kinro is like kneeling down on the ground. And so he just casually questions. He's just like, ah, oh, you know, I accept defeat, but I just want to make sure that we're doing things right. So um, can you go and ask Jasper, the referee, um, if you wearing the watermelon is against the rules or not? And if it isn't against the rules, then I'll just accept defeat. Um, But uh, I just want to make sure that we're doing things right. Um, And he like kind of like looks pitiful and sad and and like, woe is me kind of thing. Um, And Kinro, uh, so then Kinro just goes, okay, well, Sure, that makes sense. Rules are rules. So um, he goes over to Jasper and he asks, and the ref is just like, it's just a, an item of clothing. Uh, you didn't use it to attack him, so it's not against the rules. But while he's asking, Magma, who wasn't as injured as he was making himself out to be, um, comes up behind him and knocks him out, um, causing Magma to win the fight. Never turn your back on your opponent, guys. Never. Never turn your back. Because, I mean, Kinro should have won that easy, but he didn't because Magma is a cheat. I want to say Magma's Magma's a big cheat. I want to say Magma's a big cheat, but he's kind of not because, I mean, he is. He's a, a dick and no, like at this point he's just not nice. But, I mean, the others were also stacking the odds against him. Like this, this whole grand bout didn't follow any kind of solid rules in the sense that everyone was kind of sneaking around them, you know? I mean, like, it was basically five on three. Yeah. Because Magma had his two friends in the bout with him. Yeah. And then the Kingdom of Science took up the other five slots. Yeah. So, therefore, I mean, it they were definitely, like, trying to stack the deck against yeah. Magma, like, as much as possible. Yeah. So, you know... Like, you, you want to hate Magma because he's a douche, but, like, also, you know, he he wasn't the only one who was being sneaky around the rules. Um, But, yeah. And, I mean, also, I know Kinro is a stickler for rules, but he is an actual god of the village. He should have known not to turn his pack on his opponent. Like, like, he's had enough actual life experience to know not to turn his back on his opponent so but he's like he's still naive in a lot of ways as well Mm -hmm. 
because he was he definitely played that part of okay like because magma was obviously like bullshitting like he wasn't gonna give up like it's and that was obvious but also if him wearing the mask was illegal the ref would have called it out from the very get-go yeah yeah i don't know so yeah that's how that went (laughs) they lost um And so next up is Chrome versus Mantle, who is the henchman that tied Suika to the tree. And so Ko- Kohaku isn't back yet. Um, and they're really pathetic. They are not... They're pathetic. Um, they're not fighting well. They are like school children slapping at each other. Um, yeah, not well. But when Magma sees that Kohaku isn't back yet... He tells Mantle to throw the fight so Chrome wins quickly. That way, Kohaku will be disqualified because she isn't back in time, which is what happens. And Kohaku makes it back just after she is officially disqualified because she wasn't back in time for her fight. But Chrome uh, won, so he's bumped up the next level and uh, Magma is out of... No, not Magma. Mantle is out of the grand bout. But Kahaku is really happy that Suika's okay, and there's a kind of, like, heartwarming moment of her being like, I don't care, I'm just glad you're fine. We can still win, like, we still have people in the race, but, like, I was terrified that you were dead. So, um, yeah, that's kind of a sweet moment there. And Ginro is up next. Um, and this fight is hilarious. Um, so Ginro is hyped AF from all of the caffeine. Uh, he is in his mind buff and sexy and beating the crap out of his opponent and then it flicks to reality and he's like a beat up pincushion like it's really funny uh, it's a very very funny fight but he manages to eliminate um this no-name opponent by uh i think he pushes him off of the cliff doesn't he into the water yeah, yeah. he does mm-hmm and it's a very, very funny fight. I do recommend it. But um, he ends up getting the shits from all of the leaves that he ate. All of the <laughs> caffeine. Um, so he he's out of it, you know? He's, he's looking pretty sorry for himself after that whole situation. He's pretty deflated. And so up next... Uh, so and so the semifinals is now Magma vs. Chrome and Senku vs. Ginro. And so, up next is Magma vs. Chrome. Magma is beating the literal... Well, not literal. That would have been gross. Um, the not literal shit out of Chrome. <laughs> he, he could have beat the literal shits out of Ginro. <laughs> he could have. That's true. Um, and, uh, yeah, Chrome is not doing well. He has, like, really no chance of winning. So, he jumps on over Suika's watermelon rind... And when he's jumping over it, uh, he fills the lens, which is a concave lens, with his sweat and tears, basically, turning it into a convex lens. And uh, then he uses that lens on the watermelon to hold up against a stick pointing over uh, magma to make a magnifying glass in the sunlight to pinpoint heat, light, refraction, projection, starter fire kind of thing. But obviously that takes some time. So 
Gen is back, baby! Gen, who ran off after he was beaten the fudge out of by Magma, is back on the top of a building, looking as mystical as he always seems to do. He seems to pop out of nowhere and always looks really weird when he does. Um... And uh, and he is like, hey, Magma, you remember when you thought that you killed me? Yeah, I'm not actually dead. Bam, put a curse on your heart. If you take a step, um, you'll die. So, uh, yeah, he ha- because Magma has to stay, st- stay still for the convex lens to set him on fire. Quick maths. Chrome needs 60 seconds, thanks to Senku. Gotta love them quick maths. Um, yep. And, yeah, Magma is hella shocked that um, Gen is still alive. So he stays still. But it, uh, the reason why he's staying still, uh, according to Gen, which is another point of like the psychology thing that I thought was pretty cool, um, Magma is actually using this as a chance to rest because he was pretty dang beat up from the fight against Kinro um, just before this fight against Chrome. And so he's using this minute where everyone's like, oh, well, you know, uh, you know, I can only keep the, the heart spell going for, for a minute, so you have to stay still for a minute. He's actually using that minute to recover, despite everyone else thinking and him putting out the projection that he's scared because of the heart curse, which he is kind of wary of, but he's also just using it to rest, um, which I thought was very, like, an interesting perspective from Gen to have picked up on from Magma doing that. I don't know, I thought that was a cool little, like, extra that they added in because they didn't need that. Like, the story would have worked fine with him just being scared of the heart curse and not moving for a minute. Um, but adding in that extra element, I thought was a, a nice touch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you good there? Yep, I'm good. I was agreeing, but also yawning. <laughs> a groaning. Um, <laughs> Boo. Boo. Um, and uh, so then, yeah, Chrome needs the timer. He is trying to hold still. So he like, he meditates within himself. He calms himself down so that his arm stays still. So this... Uh, uh, light refraction can stay in the exact same part of where it needs to do so. And then, boom, surface flash fire, combined with the perfect prod that uh, Chrome was perfecting uh, with his ball bursting earlier. And that equals one wet magma because he got sent off the cliff into the puddle of water below. And Chrome wins! And that is the end of uh, episode 14. What did you think of episode 14? It was definitely good to see, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. So yeah, can't really can't really complain about how it ended. But also, I was like, "That's big smart." But also, <laughs> definitely like <laughs> that wasn't necessarily realistic. I guess. <laughs> no, no. Now the whole like fire setting thing, yes. Although I will say, yes. with the clothes being built, they were magma didn't necessarily have to like pat it to try to get it to spread like it would have immediately like went ablaze and then it would have fizzled out quickly because it would have just burnt the fibers and then been done with it mm-hmm. but nah they they made it more dramatic but it worked i enjoyed it it was it was a good episode mm-hmm. yeah no i thought it was really good i did think that maybe it, it dragged on a little bit when chrome was holding the the watermelon i don't actually know if they made it a full minute and that's why it felt like it dragged I on i think they might have like yeah. he definitely didn't like calm the water down or the sweat down for a full minute, but I think he definitely yeah. held it there for a full minute, and yeah. that might have been why it felt like it drug on because since they focused on it hardcore, it yeah. like really mm-hmm. made you focus on it too. So therefore, it just made it feel like it drug on longer yeah. than it actually did. Yeah. Did you feel like it was maybe a little bit longer than it needed to be? 
Uh, no, I didn't think so because no. I was like, okay, yeah, this is probably a minute. Now, is it longer than a minute? I, I have no clue. But it didn't feel like it drug no. on for me because I was just like, ooh, interesting. And especially watching it through the first time. I was too busy trying to read subtitles, so therefore I was like, mm, nah, it's not so bad. <laughs> yeah, the first time I watched it, I watched it all the way through, but I will say that this was one of the points in the second time when I was taking all the notes that I did just, like, skip through, because I was like, I know what happens. <laughs> but I, I don't know if that's, like, also just the fact that I was taking notes, so I was trying to beef through it quickly, or if I found it more of a tedious part, so I did just skip through it. I don't know, but I, I very much enjoyed it, and I like the concept, and I really like the double layer that they put on Magma as to why he stayed still for the 60 seconds. Because, like I said before, they didn't need to do that. He could have just stayed still because of the heart curse, um, that they didn't know whether or not, he didn't know whether or not it was true or if it was just a taunt. Um, but adding in that element of him trying to recover a little bit more, uh, I thought that was good for his character, because it made him seem less like a coward. Mm-hmm. It it made him seem like he was smarter than he was being portrayed, but Magma was honestly really intelligent. Now he's not like Sukasa levels of intelligent, but still he was no. a lot smarter than yeah. like even Taiju, for example. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a there's an, another guy coming up next who claims to be pretty smart, but then he did something that is so stupid that I actually said how stupid it was in the last episode of the podcast. Um, yeah, we'll get to discuss that one today because it honestly, it's, it's so brushed over in the anime. Like it's, it's a tiny thing, but I still think about just how stupid it was. And I want to discuss it with you and see if you noticed. All right. Okay. Uh, episode 15 is the culmination of 2 million years. Years. (laughs) Years. Years. Um, Ginro gets the wrong idea when Ruri says that she'll be willing to marry anyone and wants the power. So basically what happens here is that Ruri's like sitting in her priestess tower and Ginro's like, hey, so is there anyone that you actually want to marry out of this crew? And she's like, I'm willing to marry anyone because I'm a priestess and that's how I have to answer because I can't choose who I want to marry. So I just have to suck it up. And so that's the way that I'm going to answer. He's like, wait, so you don't want to actually marry anyone specifically? And she's like, no, I'm okay with anyone. And and he's like, cool. So it could be me then. And like misses the fact that she just has to say that because that's her like position. Oh, he's big stupid. Oh yeah. Real, real stupid. Um, and so he legit tries to actually attack Senku. So uh, Chrome throws Suika's watermelon. This watermelon has gone through so much today. Oh yeah, it's been through hell in a handbasket right? today. Yeah, so uh, uh, Chrome throws the watermelon to Senku. And Senku uh, uses it as a point of access, uh, access for his um, stick, the fighting stick. Um, and he puts it on there and then he treads on the one end and of course the other end then goes up um and it uh ball busts <laughs> it ball busts <laughs> it ball busts Ginro. but it ball busts him to the point to where he was actually incapacitated Senku didn't knock him off of it like the amount of force of it just literally <laughs> knocked Ginro out <laughs> And you know what's hilarious? This is the first time that we get to see the chief of the village show a little bit of respect towards Senku <laughs> when he says he's actually really smart. And it's like the first time that Senku gets any words of approval from this chief who has hated him from the minute he came six months ago. But this moment, that that nut shot was the time when the chief was like, 
maybe there's something more about this dude. Well, I think it was also, too, because he saw the way that Ginro was acting to where he's just like, oh, God, no, he, he can't be the one to marry my daughter. Oh, my God, the whole village was just like, not Ginro. Oh, yeah, they're just like, no, not him. Please, no. Not oh, him. God. Anything but him. <laughs> okay. Oh, so good. Uh, and so then the last fight uh, is Chrome versus Senku. But Senku has collapsed from the fight with Magma. So Senku wins? No. <laughs> Acquired <laughs> position of village chief and marriage partner. Yeah, so Chrome was the one who was out, not Senku. Oh, did I say it the wrong way around? No, you said Senku was down from the fight with Magma and Senku is the winner. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> So I- <laughs> Chrome collapsed from the fight with Magma. Do you know why? It's because the way where I wrote my notes, um, Chrome Chrome collapses with, from the fight with Magma, Senku wins, and Chrome and Senku are like right on top of each other, so Chrome is first and then Senku's underneath. So I just like skipped to the wrong line. So I just read Senku collapses from the fight with Magma, Senku wins. <laughs> Gotta love my notes. Uh, I'm humored. <laughs> Chrome collapses from the fight. Uh, Senku wins. Uh, and yes, he has now acquired the uh, position of village chief and a marriage partner. Ruri is pretty much out of time. She's coughing up blood now. It is not cute. Um, so <laughs> Senku quickly gets divorced. Um, and... <laughs> um... She is coughing up blood. It is not cute. <laughs> I think maybe I ought to flesh that out a little bit more, otherwise people are going to be real confused. Um, so basically, Senku needs to head back to the to the lab to be able to finish making the, um, the antibiotic now that he has won the alcohol, but um, he can't go back while being her husband because they have to complete the ceremony and like have a party and stuff. So um, he, they're like, oh, do you want to get married? He's like, yeah, okay, I'll get married so I can get the wine. And then they're like, okay, now you're married. And he's like, okay, uh, I'm going to go back. And they're like, oh, you can't go back. You have to be here for the ceremony. And he's like, okay, well then I guess I'll get divorced. And so he just picks up the barrels of wine and leaves. And everyone's just like, she's divorced? <laughs> like everyone, like throughout the rest of the series believes that Rory and Senku are, like, divorced. Like, they genuinely take it as though they've been divorced. Like, they were married for a half a second, and nobody's like, oh, you know, it was annulled. They're like, no, no, they're, they're full-on divorced. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. And yet, yet they never got, I guess, like, quote, like properly got divorced. Right? So, I, are they technically still married? <laughs> I know, well... It's, it's, it's so weird. <laughs> But it's like the uh, later on the chief's like I can't believe my daughter's divorced. It's like it's so funny. It's just it's insane. But anyway, so he now has a barrel of alcohol and also a barrel of alcohol that had turned itself into vinegar. Um, and so they Senku has the old man. They Senku and so Senku has the old man make a contraption in the river, but we don't know what it is yet. He Ammonia's Chrome awake. <laughs> Science happens, montage time, and the bamboo thing that was made in the river was actually to make carbonated water. I don't actually know how that works, they never explained it. I don't actually know how you make carbonated water, but they made carbonated water. I assume it's a pressure thing? 
Well, I mean, I think they just, like, basically made a water wheel and they kept, like, spinning it to put bubbles in it to where it turned it into carbonated water, I guess. I have no idea how carbonated water happens. How do you make carbonated water? Uh, it's like putting CO2 into water. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, the... <laughs> Uh, it, I, I'm done with you. I'm done. <laughs> Podcast over. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I, I know the way it works, like, currently... Because I've worked in restaurants, so I get like how it works nowadays. But how in the world they got it to work in the show? I don't. I don't have a fucking clue. I, I, I don't know. I don't. <laughs> like they, they honestly should have explained that though, or maybe they did in like one of their diagram pictures, and I just didn't pay enough attention to it. Maybe I don't know. Maybe I don't know. I didn't have the luxury of watching the last half thirty-seven times like I did the first half. <laughs> I don't think they explained this one. They should have, though, because that would have been, like, really interesting. Because, like I said, I figured they were just, like, spinning it enough to where it put, like, CO2 bubbles in it. That's I that's guess. literally the only thing I could think I of. Maybe. I don't I don't actually know. Uh, but, yeah, they end up making carbonated water. Um, and Gen doesn't get his Coke, sad face. Um <laughs> Because he's like, what is this carbonated water? This is carbonated water. I go run back and ask Senku about this carbonated water. And he goes to tell Senku and he's like, um, so, you know, I just so happened to like be collecting this stuff that you asked me to go and collect. Uh, and it looks a lot like carbonated water. So, um, are you going to use this? And Senku's like, yeah, you know exactly what I'm going to use it for. I'm going to combine it with this chemi- with all these chemicals to make, what did he make? Bicarbonate of soda or something? Bicarbonate, I don't know what you made. I have no clue. This was well above my head. <laughs> and I'm gonna combine it with these chemicals, and then I'm gonna make this thing, and it's gonna be go towards for making the um uh antibiotic. And so then Gen's like, oh, okay, well that's okay. And then the drug is finished. Um, and so they go back to the village to give um Ruri the antibiotic powder. Um, and just as they're entering the village, Gen's like, oh, I'm not allowed in the village. So they're like, okay, well, you go back to the science lab. And when he walks back into the science lab, there, sitting on the table, is a cool condensation-dripping <clears throat> bottle of Senku Cola. It was a a pretty cool moment of him just being like, drink. He spilt <clears throat> so much of it, though. Did you notice? <laughs> yep. I know, like, the anime thing of, like, when they drink, it all goes down their faces. Mm-hmm. But, like... He probably got half of that bottle because the rest of it just spilt everywhere. Yep. (laughs) Although, one thing I will say, though, is that I wish, like, or not that I wish, but it would have been cool to be able to potentially try it. Yeah. Because the way that he said he made it was cilantro. Cilantro, lime, and honey caramel. Yeah, lime zest, honey, and caramel, and carbonated water, to where it's just like, uh, okay. (laughs) Yeah, well, they said that if you, like, crush up cilantro, like, chop up, finely dice, chop up cilantro, and then put some lime zest in it, um, it will smell like Coke already. So, I don't know, try that at home, let us know if it works. We don't have cilantro in the house, because nobody in our house likes it, so. And, you see, I'm one of those people that have the thing to where cilantro tastes like soap, 
to me. So I can't I can't do cilantro. Oh, you're one of those. Yeah, I'm one of okay. those to where like anytime I go to the taco restaurant next to the store that I'm working at now and get tacos, I have to be like no onions and no cilantro because I don't want my you don't tacos. Have onions? I can't do raw onions because they're like extremely overpowering. Like I can do cooked onions all day long. But just the flavor of raw, uncooked onions, it overpowers everything. Yeah. So I can't See, I'm the kind I can't of person that just, like, eats onions. You would just, like, pick an onion off the counter and just take a nom out of it like an apple? <laughs> not <laughs> not a white or a red onion. I, I love raw red onion in, like, um sandwiches or burritos or salads or anything like that like a red onion raw is great yellow onion i or white onion i'll only have cooked but i will have spring onions i believe you call them green onions Mm -hmm. or like chives that you would put in like potatoes and whatnot yeah yeah but uh they're bigger than chives um yeah i know what you're talking about like the full like onions and whatnot Mm -hmm. yeah i'll eat those just like just pick it up and eat it Hmm. Uh, but anyway, Ruri takes the medicine um, and then goes back into the village tower thing, priestess hut, um, and Senku believes that there is fluid in her lungs. Um, so he sees that there are a couple dead rats or mice nearby. But at one point they call them rats and at another point they call them mice. I believe they were rats, but I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not an expert on anime rodents, so... I'm not um, either. I'm not a like. I'm, I'm not an expert on rodents to begin with. I've had two hamsters. That is my maximum rodent experience. I've had zero hamsters, but I have watched the cat where I was. Uh, whenever I was staying with my aunt, like <laughs> bat the shit out of some mice. So ah, oh, funsies. I've seen that. That, but that's about it. My grandma's cat Dippy. She put a mouse she brought my grandma a mouse that mm-hmm. i think she thought was dead but it wasn't dead um and then it ran under the back of the oven and died behind the oven Ew. and my 94 year old grandma couldn't obviously move an oven mm-hmm. and so she just had a, a rotting mouse there for a couple of days until someone could until whoever she called could go and, and get around and help her out with it that was fun to hear about on the phone. Oh, no. That, <laughs> that's no good. Living on the other side of the world. <laughs> uh, that's, that's no good. Right? Because you're just like, I want to go help my nan get this dead mouse out from behind her oven. But it's like, <laughs> I'd have to fly nine hours to get there. Like, <laughs> Sorry, nan. <laughs> I'm sorry, nan. I can't get the mouse out. Come in a sigh. Come in a sigh. <laughs> yeah, uh, that was a time. Love stories like oh, that. Oh, absolutely. That's one of the best parts about living really far away from your family. Oh, the sarcasm. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, he autopsies the dead rat that he finds nearby, and he figures out that it also has inflammation in its lungs, like he suspects that Rory has. And so he diagnoses Rory with pneumonia. Um, so Senku made the correct drug with the sulfur drug, even though there was a bit there where they were pretty scared because it seemed like Rory had taken a turn for the worse since taking the medication. But I think it's one of those you have to get worse to get better things because the bacteria were fighting against each other and it was kind of like, ah, what's my body doing? And then it was like, okay, I'm fine now, you mm-hmm. know? But Senku actually made the right drug and uh, Rory is healing. Yata! Kahaku 
uh, Kahaku's hard work over the years had actually stopped Rory's condition from getting worse because she had actually developed pneumonia as quite a young child. Um, but because of Kahaku taking the hot bath water from the hot springs down to her every single day because the village had kept her um, in bed and dry and, and warm and cosy throughout her entire life, it had actually stopped the development happening as quickly for the condition. Um, and so Kahaku, Kahaku had actually like saved her sister's life by doing that, by giving her the amount of time that she had for Senku to first of all be revived and then even um, able to cure her of her sickness. So all cool, Ruri is saved. Um, and because of that, the chief now is fully supporting Senku and officially gives him the title of chief um, of Ishigami Village, which just so happens to be Senku's last name. Da, 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 da. How did you feel? The end of episode 15, when you find out that Ishigami Village and uh, is and Senku is Ishigami Senku. I was just like, oh, I bet, I bet his dad had something to do with this. That's where you went immediately, was his dad? Yeah, because I figured that that's really the only thing that it could mm-hmm. be. Because we saw, like, during all of the, like, flashback episodes about his dad, like, doing everything he could to make, like, Senku be able to go into space. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I bet, like, the way that his dad acted and whatnot, I bet his dad, like, managed to either <clears throat> survive or was, like, actually an astronaut. I don't know how my brain went into overdrive and actually managed to predict everything. Then I was like... Uh, big brain. I called it. Wow. Yeah, I had no clue at this point. So you were uh, more, uh, what's the word where you like predict something? More. I. <laughs> Omnipotent, maybe? <laughs> sure. More, more all-knowing or better at bullshitting. But the biggest difference is. <laughs> insightful. Let's go with insightful. Maybe. But you got to think too. I had an entire week in between episodes. Oh uh, yeah, that's true. I had like thirty seconds. You had two so minutes. Next episode. Oh, so you. Oh, so you're okay. So on the note, the OP and ED of the second one. What would you rate them? Ooh, ow! I just hit my elbow. <laughs> Yay! Good job. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> um. Uh, I. What did I give the last one? Seven point five. Um. Seven. Really? Because I know you like the second ED the best. I did like the second ED over the first. Ed, but something about the first EP is just I, uh, OP. Sorry, EP. It's <laughs> just because I was looking at episodes. Um, EP is what I write for my ep- EP sixteen. Yeah, mm-hmm. so yep. I don't have to write uh-huh. episode. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, it makes sense. Okay. <laughs> um, and, and I don't know. I really like the ending. Uh, the OP. The ED. Oh my god. Uh, uh, <laughs> Too many letters. It breaks Bruce's brain. <laughs> right. Um, I don't do letters, guys. Um, I send voicemails instead. Uh, that, oh, sorry, that was. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that was stupid. Cancel, was cancel really... again. I'm leaving. I'm out. <laughs> that was a really stupid joke. Um. Um. Yeah. So I liked the ED, but I think. I have an emotional attachment to the OP of the first half because of the way that they used it in, uh, I don't remember what episode towards the end, um, 
when they like used it during a montage moment that then kind of made me more emotionally attached to it. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I have more of an emotional attachment to the original too. So yeah, I'm going to rate them higher. Hmm. What about you? Uh, Just off like the music and everything alone and like how I felt about them. Probably like six. Okay, that's not bad. But the animation on the ED was like solid nine. Just because I really like the crayon animation on the ED. I was like, ah, that's so cool. Yeah, you have a thing for that. Um, Yeah, so last the, the first one you rated a seven. Second one you rated a six. And I did 7.5 well, and 7. That's because I'm like ranking them together. Mm-hmm. Like the OP of the first one is like solid eight and a half. Yeah. <laughs> But the ED kind of drug it down a little bit. But I I really like the ED, too. But it's just, it wasn't on the level of, like, Ohio Sakai. <laughs> Damn it, dropped my phone. <laughs> yeah, okay, cool. Disgust. What are we doing? Um, <laughs> episodes. We're, we're recording a podcast. That's what we're doing. <laughs> oh, my God. I feel like... <laughs> I feel like my brain is just on like like I'm not thinking. <laughs> Maybe I've lost are, one of my good trains of thoughts, you know? <laughs> Cause like there are moments where it's just silent. <laughs> one train just decided to just flip off the track. Just Yeah. I think I've I think I've only got like two thought brain thought. I feel like you know what I feel like? I feel like I've taken my ADD medication. You've only got two thoughts. I feel really ah. like um focused. And it throws me off so much. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, no, this is because uh, I hate, I hate taking it um, because like I can't, I'm not used to it. Like it feels really weird. And uh-huh. I feel like I've taken it. I don't know why. Did somebody put something in my coffee? Um, huh. <laughs> uh, coffee's a stimulant. So maybe, maybe I just had too much coffee. It is possible. Oh. Episode 16, uh, A Tale for the Ages. Um, <laughs> Senku is able to put things together and figure out the origin of the village. He like puzzle pieces this shit together so quick, and I'm just like, uh huh, sure, uh huh, that makes so much logical sense. I don't know how your brain works like that, but then do, uh, does anybody understand Senku's brain? Uh, no. Um, and why Negative. the people within the village have foreign blood? Ruri says that the title for the 100th story is Ishigami Senku. Childhood flashback. Senku attempts to help his dad train to be an astronaut because he failed the clothes swimming test in the last trial. His dad made it to space when Senku was in high school. Senku's father was the founder of Ishigami Village. And in the space station, there were six astronauts, three males, three females. Lillian was a space tourist um, and a pop idol. And there was also a married couple and then two younger individuals, um, Connie <coughs> and Shamil. So yeah, so there's, there's Ishigami, Senior, uh, Lillian, the married couple, and then Connie and Shamil, and they were all in the space station um, when Senku was in high school, 3,700 years ago. <laughs> and Senku, at this time, Senku is on Earth and he has just discovered the sparrow petrification is a global thing. Because he was looking up people's posts around the world of being like, oh my god, there's a sparrow that's been petrified. Oh my god, there's a sparrow that's been petrified. And it's like, oh, this one happened in London. Oh my god, this one happened in Australia. Oh my god, this one happened in Brazil. It's like, okay, well, you know, those are all distance apart from each other. Um, So probably not fake because, like, why would it be so global if it was going to be a fake thing? It would be more localized. And so he's Mm -hmm. like, hmm, that's interesting. Um, And he starts looking into it. Then there's a whole situation about space ramen. Because what was the jingle that I made up last time? 
I don't something, remember. Something something ramen. I don't remember. Brad, edit it in here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so although I said it was Brad editing this week, it's actually me, and I was just messing around, and this is what I came up with, um, taking the audio from last week and having a go. <laughs> I hope you enjoy it. The power, the power of Rana. <laughs> Um, yeah, honestly, though. <laughs> honestly, ramen solves everything. It does. Solves every bit of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then while they are in, in this space station, um, the green light happens over Earth, which is the light that turned everyone to stone. And uh, all these guys on the space station have no calls being returned, no social media posts are happening, and the live cameras just show all stone people so they decide that they are going to have to get back to Earth themselves. Now, I have a question for you. So there's three couples, right? Uh-huh. And it's only confirmed mm-hmm. that two of them have children. But it's suspected that Lillian and Ishigami also had children. Mm-hmm. Either way, three family bloodlines. So within mm-hmm. four generations, incest. And there's, what did they say, a hundred like hundreds of generations how many generations do you have if okay so say somebody lives to 100 years because it makes my math easier and they're around for so uh 3037 37 generations mm-hmm. right of incest well no mm-hmm. because four of them wouldn't be i mean do you think that we would start seeing some defects yes that's why they're all blonde head and blue eyed <laughs> <laughs> says me <laughs> i mean you would I mean, you would think, but also three of them were three of them were blonde headed and yeah. two of them were blue eyed. So then again, I don't. Yeah. No, I, that was just something that I, I was know. thinking about in the in the anime. It's just like. No, no, like it, yeah. it crossed my mind watching it through the second time, because I guess the first time through watching it, I wasn't necessarily paying that much attention. Although one thing I will say is that I would assume that. Byakuya and Lillian did have kids because Kohaku and Ruri's eyes were Lillian's eye color and not the Russians. So that's what kind of told me from eye color that it was kind of left to assume that Byakuya and Lillian had kids. Although I bet we would get answers to that in the Byakuya manga. Uh, yeah. Yeah, because the only kids that you actually see that are confirmed kids are actually only from one of the couples which is the married couple well the russian couple was already married too yeah yeah they get married but they weren't married prior no no the other two were the two that were already like on the spaceship the two that were actually russians like the blonde-headed lady who had the Mm -hmm. big lips and then Mm -hmm. the short buff guy like those two were already married because remember whenever they were making the Yeah, yeah 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 So, yeah, so those two, but those two, it's confirmed, like, you see their kids. You don't see Connie and Shamil's kids, but he mentions having kids, but you don't actually see them. Okay. You only see the the Russian couple's kids. Um, yeah, you don't actually, well, I guess you do kind of, well, you see children, so I guess you could assume that they are his kids, but, like, there, there's no, like, these are our children moments. Mm. Um, it's just like he says... Um, it was nice to be able to get married and I, well, I didn't think that I would ever get married and have kids. I think that's what he says. So it's like, 
you think, yeah, he had kids, but like you don't actually ever see like this is my son, you know, yeah. moment. <laughs> is what? Yeah, that's what I'm getting at. My boy. <laughs> my boy. Uh, but yeah. So, anyways, episode seventeen is a hundred nights and a thousand skies. Um, so they figure out while they're in the space station that it started in South America. Basically, the way that they do that is that they go onto all the social media stuff and they figure out where social media posts were not being posted from first. So basically backtracking, you know, so they figure out who was the last people posting and then going back through and then they can figure out, okay, well, these people stopped posting first, so it must have originated from around there. So they figure out, okay, it must have been somewhere in South America. So that's what they target where they want to land. So three astronauts decide that they're going to go to Earth first um, because they don't know whether or not they're going to get petrified in transit. Uh, they, like, Viakia or Ishigami, who's Senku's dad, um, he was going to go by himself, but... They only have enough fuel to make two trips to Earth. And with six people, they need to make sure that the three seats are filled. Um, so Lillian, Connie, and Shamil actually go instead of Ishigami because they, uh, because Shamil's just like, hey, I don't have a family. You have a son. If we're going to get petrified, you need all the chance that you can have of living. So we're going to, I'm going to test it out. So. Ishigami actually stays on the space station for a little bit longer. They end up going to Earth, but um, when they get there, they didn't get petrified in transit, but they land in the ocean and they land in their capsule upside down. So they can't open the hatch because obviously water would just get in and they'd sink and they're in the middle of the ocean. So even if they swim out, they would just be floating in the middle of the ocean then um, for however knows how long, right? So they stay in the capsule and uh, they have about nine hours worth of air. I think that's what they said. Um, so while they're in the capsule, the others um, follow. And when they land on Earth, Ishigami gets on a boat and manages to boat out to the trio and gets them in the boat and takes them to shore. And we actually get to see a clip of Petrified Senku counting it, like a couple of weeks in his clothes are like half rotten so you know he's not like freshly petrified but he's also not been there for a hundred years <laughs> yet you know i i like how it kept it like in sync with what was going on yeah mm-hmm, it did with biakia and all of them like i thought those cuts were really interesting i did too i agree and so, yeah, the team is actually having a really hard time, the, the space team, having a really hard time adjusting to the new world um, emotionally and just, like, physically. Um, but three years later, the married couple, the Russian couple, now have two kids, and Connie and Shamil um, get married uh, very embarrassingly to Shamil's um, disappointment, I guess. Uh, he's he's not good <laughs> at, like, emotions. And this is also when you find out that Ishigami... And Yakuya isn't actually Senku's real dad by blood, which is interesting. What did you think when you heard that? I mean, I guess, I don't know. Because they look, they kind of look alike. I mean, they have, they both have the faded out ombre hair. But I guess like, I was more or less curious just because of the green mm-hmm. in Senku's hair. To where it's just like, mm-hmm. is he like being stereotypical, like anime protagonist of like having like bright colored hair? Or what? So it didn't, like, it didn't necessarily surprise me, I guess. I was pretty surprised, because I thought they looked alike. You know, I thought that maybe he could have gotten the green from his mom, 
Um, but the they both have the ombre hair, and no other character has that ombre. So I was like, huh, okay. I mean, like, I think that was the biggest resemblance that they shared, but, like, facial shape and everything else didn't, I guess, necessarily match up to me. Mm. Okay. So I guess I never, like, I didn't think much into it. I was just like, oh, okay, father and son. And then it's like, oh, stepfather and son. Also okay. Like, it, Is that what you went to, stepfather? Like, that's where I went with it, yes. Huh. Or, like... Something like that, because we didn't get it explained, so I immediately went stepfather. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because in my head I went, okay, why did he adopt some random kid? Like, what's going on here? Yeah, so I don't know. It, that was one of the things that made me really want to read the manga, too, because, like, I need more backstory. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm really curious about their about his history and, and why he adopted Senku. Like, I mean, or or had how he acquired Senku. Um <laughs> It's Senku acquired. <laughs> Senku acquired, honestly. Just because, like, Byakuya doesn't seem like the kind of guy who's like, oh, you know, I have a stable job, and I, you know, have always wanted to be a dad, but I don't have a partner, so I'm going to look into adopting. Like, he doesn't seem like that kind of guy. He also doesn't seem like the kind of guy to be like, oh, you know, I had a... Maybe he did have a wife or something. I don't know, but I, I'm, I've kind of... A, in my head, he's a bachelor, you know? Mm -hmm. But I wonder, I wonder if it's like a... No, because even if it was like, oh, it's my sister's kid, then it would still be like, okay, well, they're blood-related. They're just not blood-related as father and son. Mm. I Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he was like, maybe he grew Senku in, a, in his science lab. I don't know. <laughs> um. But even even Senku was like, astronauts are like the most elite of the elite. So Byakuya couldn't have come up with... Or, like, he couldn't have yeah. pulled off a lot of the ideas, so I, I highly doubt that he could have grown Senku. But the the funny thing is, is that Byaka is a professor at university, so he's not stupid by any means, but Senku's <laughs> like, oh, yeah, you big dumb. <laughs> I guess Byakuya just wasn't on his level, maybe. Maybe he's like a maybe he's like a uh English lit professor or something. I don't know. Maybe. We never find out what he teaches. But at the same time, like I, I love the dynamic between the two, even though you never really get to see it. Yeah. But like just like seeing how they act towards one another just humors me to no end, especially me what too. we'll get to in whenever we talk about episode twenty four. It was yeah. like, oh, that's, that's, <laughs> that's great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but anyway, so Senku tells the others about his dad. He explains about astronauts and everything. Um, and Ruri then takes Senku to see the founder's graves. And this, episode 17, is where you kind of get to see more emotion from Senku for... Like, deep emotion, I mm. guess. Because you get to see emotion from Senku, but you don't get to see, like, deep emotion. And this is where you get to see deep emotion. Because you get to see the hand squeeze, the I'm just going to look around here for a bit kind of response, and then the single tear. Mm. Because, yeah, he, he sees <clears throat> his dad's graves, the founder's graves. Um, and it goes back to uh, the group, and you find out that Connie actually died of pneumonia. And the married couple went to go and um, get some antibiotics from a nearby village. They, they went in the boat to go and get some, and they never returned, I guess. Like, it doesn't really explain. You see them leave, and then nothing, so... I guess it's just left to us to assume that they died, because, like, they landed on or near an island. So they said yes. they were going back to the mainland, which I assume is, like, mainland Japan? No, they're in South America, 
which uh, is, it's not really, because this part I had to really pay attention to for my notes, because I was like, yeah, I was like, okay, so they're in Japan. But I, it, well, the thing about it is, is it's really confusing because um, they figure out that it starts in, in South America. So they never actually say that they're going to target South America, but I kind of assume that that's where they're going. And then the first story of the hundred stories is telling them to go to Japan. Well, I thought that the, I thought they said they were going to Japan because Japan was the furthest away from South America. Like, I thought that's what they said. I could, no. I could be mistaken, but having watched it through twice, I thought that they said, like, if they went to Japan, that they would have the biggest chance of finding someone who wasn't petrified. Yeah, that's what I thought too. But when I watched it through the second time for my notes, I really paid attention to this. And it's kind of not stated because they give you the idea that they're going to go to Japan. But then Ishigami says, no, because I want to try and figure out how the petrification started. So I want to head to where it originated. But then they don't solidify either version but they do say i have it written down um in the hundred stories uh what episode is it said i can't find it in my notes but in one of the hundred stories i think it's either number one or number 14 but i think 14 might be about the speakers and the b uh i think but the hundred stories to continue on humanity as they can ishigami's first story was to tell them to go to japan where senku is yeah so I think that they were in South America and they went to Japan. I now I now need to like dig into this. Yeah, because it's never fully established either one way or the other. And so that's the what I ended up with was that they went to South America and then the first story is telling them to go to Japan. But in that primitive world, how could they? Well, it's it's primitive, but also at this point nothing is destroyed so they still have like boats and stuff but they have like rowboat type things like they didn't actually no, have... like they had ships they just like couldn't uh like if they had because like the the big couple would have uh the, the married couple would have died in transit but like if they had another boat they could have gotten to the mainland where there would be big boats from humanity that they could use to then sail to japan that then would have deteriorated over the next 3700 years but they wouldn't have deteriorated right after the the incident i need more info this is <laughs> this is too much <laughs> it's it's a whole debate but yeah what i ended up getting from it is that they landed in south america i think they should have been clearer on mentioning where they ended up but for me what i ended up getting from it was they landed in south america because they were trying to figure out the reason for why everyone got petrified and then connie ended up dying of pneumonia shamil ended up following her dying from pneumonia and um, the married couple then died trying to get to the mainland uh, during a storm. And so then Ishigami and Lillian create the hundred stories to continue humanity. And they actually start teaching the kids Japanese because Ishigami was trying to write the hundred stories down. But he was struggling to write them in English. So Lillian says, write them in Japanese. I've been wanting to learn Japanese anyways. So that also establishes why despite the fact that there were multiple people of multiple languages um, on the space station, the group are speaking Japanese, like the new village are speaking Japanese. And yes, yeah, so the first story was to tell them to go to Japan, where Senku is. 
It was also the stories that inspired Chrome to start his rock collection. Um, and it was his dad's gift of science um, that he promised to give to Senku the day that he left on the spaceship to go to the space station. Hmm. Um, and so Gen tells... Uh... Oh yeah, and right at the very end of this episode, you also get to see Gen saying that Sukasa is coming to check out the village with um, some buddies of his. So it looks like progression is happening on the war front as well. And that is the end of episode 17, which is probably the most confusing episode so far. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, let us know what you got from that episode as to where they landed. Um, and if we'll have to read the manga now and see if it explains it more there. Yes, because I, like, I'm left with so many questions so many that questions. I want... That I want more answers to because they even like they talked about it in the behind the scenes episode to where we'll get to it in a bit. But they follow the manga to a T like they are as precise as possible while still like getting enough story out of it to turn into episodes. So like I don't think that we missed anything in like up to this point going through the first 24 episodes or probably the first 50 chapters of the manga. So that just, that means I want to read more because I, I need to know. Yeah. Curious. Very curious. <laughs> um, curious. But yes. So episode 18, Gen didn't see Senku's body. Tsukasa wants to invade and take over the village just in case Senku's out there trying to gather allies. Um, so he's like, oh yeah, I'm going to send my buds over there. They're going to take over that primitive village of stupid people. I'm going to have them as my buds. And then Senku can't get any friends and allies because I'll have all of the primitive dudes on my side and the only way to revive other people because I have the cave of nitric acid um, under my control and you like it takes forever to make nitric acid if you don't have like a natural resource of it from bat poop. So Were there not any other caves? <laughs> <laughs> there are not any other bat caves that are producing nitric acid, apparently. Man, Batman um, would be so pissed. <laughs> right? I know. So yeah, he sent some butch boys over to <laughs> check out Kimro and Gimro. And yeah, so Kimro is like, Kimro and Gimro are guarding the bridge as a shock, you know? The bridge guarders are guarding the bridge. What? And Kimro's like, hey, Gimro, get back to the village. Tell them that there are some big old butch boys here. Um, because Gen's like, oh yeah, um, Sukasa's gonna send some buds to invade. Three seconds later, the buds are here to invade. Like, thanks for the heads up, dude. Yeah, no time to breathe. But also don't think Gen really knew, like, when they would be there. No, he didn't. But he also was there earlier that day. Like, he he showed up halfway through the grand bout and then just tells them in the evening. Like, they could have had a few hours to prepare if you had, like, opened your mouth a little bit sooner, you know? You're there to deliver a message. Maybe you should have, you know, delivered the message. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, they, well, they had, like, I guess, like, at the time to them, they had more pressing things going on, maybe? I suppose. I suppose. Um, <laughs> I'm just being sassy now. Just like, you should have told them. Why wouldn't you deliver that message? You have one job again. One job. <laughs> um, But yeah, so uh, this is when we are introduced to Hyoga, who... I want to smack with a stick because he's big stupid. He is the dude that made the biggest mistake of this entire anime. And it doesn't, it's not even relevant. It doesn't even make any sense as to why I'm so angry about it. But genuinely, it bugs me so much. Um, Yeah. Okay. 
And it's, there is no reason why it should bug me so much, but it's just, it's stuck with me. It's just being like, so stupid. Okay. <laughs> it's, let's ignore that for a second. <laughs> so yeah, Ginro's like, hey, I uh, know Kimro's like, hey, you run back to the village. Let them know about these big boys that are coming in. They all get on the bridge. When they're on the bridge, Ginro cut the suspension bridge, send me down into the water with these guys. It'll get rid of them. It'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Um, and that's the plan. Um, however, Ginro can't cut the bridge to kill his brother. He's like, no, Nia-chan! So um, that doesn't happen. Instead, Senku, with his quick thinking, decides that he's going to make an explosion with the last remaining gunpowder that they have. So Gen, at the same time, has Magma throw a rock towards them, just like in their general direction, uh, at the same time, so that Senku makes a bang, then all of a sudden there's a rock thrown and uh, it makes a loud noise when it hits the cliff and they're all scared because they think, oh shoot, he's got a cannon. Um, (laughs) And so then, yeah, oh, and during all of this, Gen is fighting the other guys um, and he, Hyoga has gotten a pretty good wound on Gen. He's hanging off of the bridge with his arm, like he's suspended off the suspension bridge um, and, and he has a pretty nasty wound to his stomach. But Senku's just like, uh, they all run away because they think that he's got guns. So they run back into the forest. Um, and Senku's just like, hey, it's fine. He'll be better by tomorrow. And just throws some stuff on him, makes him drink some stuff. Um, and then Gen's like, I'm better. Uh, but he's... <laughs> just just that pulsing blood. He's not better. Like... <laughs> it's like he's climbing up the ladder to the observatory, and to the to the laboratory. And there's just like blood spurts, just like... <laughs> coming out of his stomach it was it was great so yeah um gen is actually with the bad guys because he was like they have guns and he ran towards the bad guys pretending to be on their side but we all know he's a sucker for that coke so (laughs) that makes it sound like he's a mad drug addict like nah cola coca-cola coca-cola um, so yeah, he, he is not on their side, but he was like, oh my god, they have guns! Ran towards them, led them into the forest, and so he is, like, pretending to be with them as a double agent. He's trying to persuade them to fight the village on a stormy, rainy day, so that they won't be able to use their match matchstick rifles. <clears throat> um, so, that they don't even have, but he's like, oh my god, they have so many guns! Um, they don't have any guns. <laughs> um, they don't have any gunpowder. They don't have any nitric acid to be able to make the gunpowder, so... Yeah, a storm rolls in, rolls in only three days later. And so then what do they do? Oh, just casually. They make katanas um, because <laughs> logical next step. And also uh, Senku makes Kimro a pair of glasses. So he is now uh, spectacularly spectacled. <laughs> <laughs> Acquired katanas. Uh, and glasses. <laughs> and glasses, yeah. Um, Kyoka is powerful with his flexible rotating spear. So basically it's like a big old stick with a sharp arrowhead on the end of it. It's a spear. I don't know why I'm explaining what a spear looks like. <laughs> Do you guys know what a spear looks like? Um, <laughs> but it's <laughs> it's on a bamboo rod and he's rotating it really, really quickly, like spinning it in his hand. So it's like whipping and creating like a circular effect. So you can't actually tell where the head of the spear is. Although you could just like go through the middle and just, uh, but you know, um, <laughs> um, and so they take, uh, they decide to go for another attack on the village, um, with the 
now that the storm has rolled in. And right as he's about to spear Kohaku, the spear tip breaks off. <gasps> and then he figured out very quickly that Gen was the, uh, was the one to cut a small slice in the binding of the spear tip while he was like hanging out with the guys. Uh, be like, oh yeah, I'm on your side. Oh, just kidding. Suika came and delivered me a tiny knife. So I'm going to cut your spear just a little bit. So when you try and actually use it, it will break. Sucks to be you. That's what happened. And then Gen is like, oh, you think that I betrayed you? How could you think that I betrayed you? I didn't do anything bad. <laughs> just kidding. I've actually been on their side the whole time. You're a big sucker. And yeah, that's, that's the blade of science cuts pretty well. End of episode 18. Now, here's a question. Mm-hmm. Do you think that Gin might actually be like a triple agent for Sukasa. Oh, oh my god, he's just like Severus Snape all over again. <laughs> Literally. Right? Um <laughs> I have no clue. No, I think I think he's pretty much on Senku's side. But I think he's I think he's like I think it was that Coke dude. <laughs> It, it was the coke. All Sanku has to do is just it keep supplying coke. him with coke. He's on the monkey side. He he teamed up with those shiny monkeys. Well, with the not shiny monkeys. Not shiny anymore. Not shiny anymore. Him and Byakuya have, like, teamed up from 3,000 years ago. Yes. Uh, like, hey, let's play a prank on my son. It'll be color <laughs> funny. It, it was actually Byakuya. You actually not that, petrified all along. It was actually Byakuya that set off the green light. Yeah. <laughs> You've just been in a VR headset this whole time, Senku. Sword Art Online <laughs> confirmed. Oh. <laughs> could, could you imagine if you're part of the SAO incident <laughs> and, and you wake up and you're the only person not petrified because you're trapped in a game? Yeah. <laughs> oh no, that would be so sad. You get out and it's just like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Or you, no, you come out of the game and then you're just in your your headset, but you're still petrified, but you're conscious like Senku. So you're just like, oh, fuck, man. I just got out of one and I'm in another. (laughs) You're just staring at the inside of a black screen. (laughs) You're just staring at like just blackness because you've been petrified. So you're just like, why? Why? <laughs> or the SAO game lasts for thirty seven hundred years. Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> we, I think we just created a whole thing crossover. I, I need this crossover in my right? life now. Is SAO Shonen? Because if not, it needs to be. <laughs> it needs to be. Um, Sukasa is reviving Hyoga, so it goes kind of like back a little bit, so you get to see the revival of Hyoga. Hyoga shows uh, the meathead crew his power. Mwahaha, I will take on ten men with my spear. <laughs> Pretty much. And uh, they are. this is where you actually get to see what Tsukasa's like, space looks like now that he's revived so many more people. Um, I think of it kind of like a mud hive, like a beehive, but like done into the side of a cliff. So it's like there's like mud pockets that are like taken out of the cliff where that are like homes and then there's suspension bridges going from all of them the hive holes uh yeah so this was a couple months ago in like senku's time because obviously hyoga right now is like fighting senku at the village but um yeah we're going back in time so this is what the crew looked like a couple months prior 
Sukasa persuades Hyoga to join super easily. They are right on track with each other. Best buds, mental, like, we're on the same wavelength. Sukasa is strong, handsome, soft-spoken, and uh, with a half-decent argument. So he is pretty hard to deter. Um, those words were from Gen. So, you know, I'm not hitting on a high schooler. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, Sukasa warned Hyoga about Senku's abilities. And he was like, hey, you know, if you run into Senku, even though I killed him with my own two hands, um, even though I think he actually hit him with the end of a stick in the back of the neck. So he didn't actually kill him with his own two hands. He's a liar. Um, <laughs> but um, <laughs> He killed uh, him with a not-so-adorable prick? <laughs> um... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so he he let senku know uh like he let hyoga know that if you run into senku watch out i he should be dead but he was crazy intelligent and um yeah we had to i had to stop him to continue on our ideals and they share the same ideals but the front attack on the village um once they like they defeat hyoga by breaking his spear and the other guys are all like scared because they can't fight the spear on a bridge they like, oh yeah, we've done the thing. And this is when they turn around and all of the huts of the village are on fire. Hyoga actually has a right-hand woman named Homare who, conspiracy theory, I think she was in the circus. Interesting. Because I have multiple reasons for this. Number one, the first thing I thought was, oh, she's a gymnast because of all of that crazy jumping. But then later on, you actually get to see her swinging from branches, which trapeze artist, hello. And then when she eats the cotton candy later on, uh, noises happen in the background. And those noises, to me, sound very circus-like. So I think both her and possibly Hyoga too were circus acts or like performing artists. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. But that's my, that's my theory on her. <laughs> yeah, so the attackers end up backing off because... Um, there's the fire and everyone's trying to evacuate. So they get everyone to the science lab without any casualties, including all of the old people and children. And the attackers are kind of, they're trying to regroup. And I just like scraped the, my, my pop shield. Um, <laughs> the attackers are trying to regroup to get themselves back together again, because although they kind of got the upper hand when the village was set on fire and stuff, Hyoga did lose his spear and just forgot all names. Um, and <laughs> Kinro and the others are, could like pretty much handle the other guys, like the the beefy dudes that came with Hyoga. They like they like the general uh, guards of the of the village can handle those guys pretty easy. So Hyoga is the only guy that they can't really handle too easily, and he has now got his preferred weapon broken. So they're trying to like regroup a little bit and Hyoga's not planning on going back into fighting them while he doesn't have a weapon. So they decide that they're going to wait for a hostage to kind of like run out of the village so they can grab them and then use that as a point of leverage to get the villagers to give up Senku. And so while they're doing that, Suika runs off to distract them. Um, and because they're looking for a hostage at the same time that Suika, a small female child, runs off up towards the mountains, they're like, ah, oh, perfect, a hostage. <laughs> We're looking for a hostage. Ah, there's one, you know, kind of moment. Um, <laughs> mm -hmm. So she runs uphill towards the mountain. Now, bear in mind, it's still storming. 
Um, and the storm is actually causing a downward draft from um, the top of the mountain. And of course, at the top of the mountain is the sulfuric acid pool. So it's causing the chemical of, what was it? Hydrogen... I don't remember what the acid was. The, chem- the hydrogen sulfide. That's what it was. Yeah, so the the sulfuric acid pool causes the uh, hydrogen sulfide gas, which is blowing downhill because of the storm, um, and Suica is running into it. And But because Senku is heckin' smart, he feels the wind, knows that Suica ran off, figures it out, grabs the gas masks, runs up the hill, and Kohaku, who's faster, picks Suica up, puts the gas mask on her, gets up into a tree, and the enemies climb into a tree as well. Um, but then Suika and Kohaku get down from the tree because they're wearing the gas masks, and they walk back while the uh, while Hyoga, Homare, and the three idiots um, are in the tree waiting for the gas to settle, the wind to stop blowing or whatever, um, so that they can climb down from the tree. This is where Hyoga is the biggest idiot of any character in this series. Because to test whether or not the gas is really poisonous, he kicks all three of his minions off of the tree into the poisonous gas, so they're now dead. (laughs) How stupid can you get? Not, oh, I'm going to do one at a time so I can test to see whether or not it's dissipated. No, all three can go at once. So now, when I think that the poisonous gas is gone, I'm going to have to test it with my own life. You big dumb. You're so stupid. Like, oh, does this, did this? You see, uh I think that you're wrong on this one. Am I? Because if he had done one of them then that would have meant there's an opportunity for the other two to try to attack him. He's and like... potentially knock him and... But here's the thing. They're also on a tree branch. So one false step could cause them to fall. And especially if there's a struggle up on the tree branch. He took ten guys down when he just woke up from his petrification. Again, he and his girlfriend are up on a tree branch above some gas that will kill them. So why not just eliminate any possibilities of you falling so that way you don't have to worry about it? Nah, still big stupid. Still. Uh, I'm going to have to disagree. No, I, I think that he was looking out for himself. N- no, I think he was not looking out for himself. I think he was the biggest idiot ever because those minions were not smart enough to try to have made an attack on him. And if they had have made an attack on him, it would have been a panicked and he had the high ground. Okay. Anyone who's seen any kind of memes means to know, knows. <laughs> That if you have the high ground, you have an advantage. You will win. This is coming for the person who has never actually seen Star Wars, but knows the biggest Star Wars meme. I'm, okay, I know memes. What can I say? Okay. And (laughs) Baby Yoda was kind of up there with big Star Wars memes. Okay. Um, but yeah, like, no, I think I, I strongly, strongly disagree with you because they were not smart enough to make their own decisions. And they didn't even know that the poisonous gas was a thing. They climbed it after the fact. They're hanging onto the trunk, bear in mind. They're not hanging onto a branch, okay? They're going to get tired a lot faster, right? 
So if he, and also him kicking off all three at once, he couldn't have simultaneously, he doesn't have three legs to kick off all three. Like he didn't simultaneously kick all three off. So one would have fallen and then the other two could have attacked him in that time of the one falling. Like, nah, disagree. Biggest idiot. I I think you and I are just going to have to agree to disagree because some people are right and then there's you. Some people are going to survive during an attack with with a hydrogen, whatever it is, and some people won't. And it's going to be me who lives. Are Are you sure? Yes. Are Are you sure? Yes, I am sure. Are Are you, are you sure? Oh, jeez. No, I I. So I think he was such an idiot for doing that. Anyway, it's a tiny moment in the episode, but it pissed me off both times I watched it. Um. It's really not a big deal. Uh, anyway, so Hyoga goes back to Tsukasa and says, we need to overwhelm them with numbers. Um, and Tsukasa figures out that they were bluffing with the gunpowder because he knows that you need the nitric acid to be able to make gunpowder. And he knows that he has the only source of nitric acid. And so they can't make gunpowder, right? So he knows that the guns are a big bluff. He also then figures out, well, as he knows now that Senku is alive, um, but. Uh, but he not only knows that, he also knows that Senku doesn't have a source of nitric acid because Senku hasn't revived any other statues. And if he had a source of nitric acid, not only would he have made gunpowder, he also would have revived statues. But at the village, the only people that were revived were him and Gen. So clearly he doesn't have a source of nitric acid. Uh, so Senku says that they are going to attack them first because otherwise they're just going to be building up in numbers. Like they have as much nitric acid as they need from that cave. So they can build up their numbers as quickly as they want. So Senku is like, we need to make the initial attack on them. We need to go uh, attack them by surprise. But to do that, we're going to need the ultimate modern weapon. In my mind, I was like, a trebuchet. And then I was like, wait a second, that's not at all modern. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but that's where my brain went. Um, no, they're going to make cell phones. Honestly, they, they should have went with the Trojan horse. The Trojan horse. <laughs> Just like um, they, they all get inside the horse. Then they're like wheeled into the curious. It's like, when we're in there, we're going to all jump out of the Trojan horse. Wait, how can we jump out of the Trojan horse if we're not in the Trojan horse? Oh, if anyone gets that reference. Mad respect. Or they could put some like grass on it and put a giant sign that says pinata. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just filled with gunpowder. Um, <laughs> Big brain. <laughs> but they, uh, but Senku's figured out that quick communication will change the tide of battle, which is absolutely true. Um, any like back in like First World War, if you see like the battle plans and stuff, the people that got the information first were the ones that were uh, doing the best on the battlefields. So quick communication can absolutely change the tide tide of battle. And there's two double agents already out there for them to use, which takes us back to the very beginning of the series with Taiju and Yuzuriha, who uh, they actually haven't been in contact with for nearly a, no for about six months at this point. Yeah, six months at this point. So, um, Tsukasa then gets the report on all of the happenings and he decides the same thing. That is the end of episode 19, the most frustrating episode I have watched because of big stupid I am correct, Brad. Uh, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Episode 20, yes, the age of energy. Due to the village being an island, there are uh, better, they're better positioned for battle. 
And as Tsukasa needs to start diverting manpower into gathering resources for winter, he can't attack them yet. Taiju and Yuzuriha aren't in danger during this time because they're like, okay, well, what happens? They're a double agent. Like, he knows that they were associated with Senku and now he knows that Senku's still alive. So what's up with Taiju and Yuzuriha? Are they going get, to get, gonna be in danger? Oh my word, I can say words. Um, and um, no, he says that they're not going to be in danger, Senku predicts, because they could become really useful hostages in the future, considering that... Um, Sukasa knows that Senku's biggest weakness are the people around him because he actually has a, a mm. big heart despite the fact that um it was at once at one point turned to stone. So yeah. Boo. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um But yeah, so Sukasa ends up getting those two uh watched. He puts someone on them to watch them. Hamaru stays behind outside of the village, um, Homare, and uh is to be like an early informant if Senku decides to attack preemptively or to try and escape. Um, she's to like run ahead and let the guys know so at least they might have like, I don't know, a day's advantage. I'm not actually too sure how big of a distance is between the village and Tsukasa's home base. Uh, I don't actually know how many days. I think it's walk. about, I think it's about two days. Two days walk? Okay. It's either two or three because that's how long it seemed like it took for Senku and them to get from the starting area to the, yeah, to the hot springs. Mm -hmm. So it's either two or three days, something like that. Oh, they said it was, they said it was two marathons, didn't they? Yeah, so 52. (laughs) Which Taiju was just like, oh yeah, so like five hours worth of walking then. And everyone else was just like, no. (laughs) Hang on, I... If Google Maps is to be believed, I could actually give you, like, how long it would take to, like, technically walk 52 miles. So, hang on. I'm gonna I'm a do some quick maths. So, you're looking at about 19 hours of, like, consistently walking without taking breaks, without stopping, without sleeping, or anything. Uh, Probably two days. So, three days. With Senku, three days. Ah, uh, yeah, with Senku, yeah, probably three days. <laughs> but for literally everyone else but Senku and probably Chrome, two days. <laughs> two days, yeah. So yeah, they decide that the time that they're going to attack on both sides of the coin, both Sukasa and Senku decide the prime time for attacking is going to be spring. So they have a bit of time because it is like late summer at this point. The first thing that they need to make to get cell phones is a cotton candy machine. Um, basically what they need to do is to make gold wire, but they need to make a uh, really smooth gold wire. So they decide to make a cotton candy machine because it has the rotations. You put the gold in, it'll spin. It'll make really thin gold wires from the spinning, just like it makes cotton candy. But, um, they can test it with sugar first to figure out whether or not it clumps, which it did because of the fact that they were pulling it in one direction with a long string and then pulling it in the other direction. And that, um hovering that moment of like switch of rotation uh caused it to clump together so they have to try and figure out a different way of doing it where they acquire the gear but before they acquire the gear senku actually gives homare some uh cotton candy which is where you get to see uh what i think is a hint to her being in the circus i don't know and there's also a food wars moment here as well um and they also got the word meme (laughs) their dad uh senku's dad taught them the word meme um so it would be passed down for 3700 years honestly you know um, what would have made it even better if what? he would have purposefully mispronounced meme and called it meme 
just to piss them oh my, off. No, it wouldn't have been better. That would have been so bad. I would have, oh God, no. I, I would have died. I'd have no. been like, that would have been just the perfect dad thing to do. Uh, no, 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 no. You can't sit here and say no, because that would be great, and you know it. No, it wouldn't. It wouldn't. It would be horrible. That would be so great. No, it wouldn't. (laughs) This coming from somebody who absolutely adores puns and dad jokes. You're turning this down? Yeah, that's just cringe, dude. (laughs) No, I'm not down. Um, Also, what, you call it cotton candy, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, in the UK, I call it candy floss, and I believe in Australia, they call it fairy floss. And yet, I don't, like, I don't see where, like, the term floss, like, comes into play with that. I actually don't know either. I don't know who invented candy floss. I don't know. I I don't, I don't know. Because cotton candy makes the most amount of sense for a name. It does. So that's why, like, I don't, I don't know, because... But if it was invented in... Britain. I don't know where it was invented, but if it was invented in Britain, then we were the original namers. But like, I don't, I don't get it. I agree that the Americans make the most sense, but like, <laughs> yeah, because I, I always go to say um, candy floss, and I'm like, no, wait, cotton candy. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So Chrome steals the old man because he has an idea, and you know, let boys be boys when they come up with an idea. Senku gets everyone to start twisting the really, really thin gold threads together to start making, like, coils, like, proper wires. And the science team can't really expand too much, like, they don't get too many more members, uh, even though Senku is now the chief of the village, because the village needs to be starting to prepare for winter, so they need a lot of manpower into just, like, stocking up and preserving food and stuff. But Chrome and the old man have uh, came back after three days of solid working, and they're, like, dead tired, and they're like, hey, Senku, we've finished it. And they go back and they have made a water mill or water wheel. Um, and Gen is like, Senku, sorry, is like, oh, that's pretty dang cool. You just invented something that I, well, they're like, we invented a thing. I'm going to call it the cotton candy floss cotton candy machine. I don't know what they're going to call it. And Senku's just like, oh, a water wheel. And they're just like, dang it, you already know what it is. <laughs> But here's the thing, like, I want to know why Senku didn't think of that sooner, because it's hydroelectric power literally just perfectly sitting there. And Yeah, no, honestly, I thought of them making a water wheel very early on in the series, but I will also say I am making one in my Minecraft world as well, so I may have just had it on my brain. <laughs> Wait, are you actually making a water wheel? Well, we just we just started on the windmill and the water wheel is next. Okay. So it's in my plans. Okay, because I was like, I don't remember this being discussed, but also the last couple of times you've been playing Minecraft, I've conked the fuck out. <laughs> I am great mod and great friend. I am I am so great. <laughs> Go away. See, Brad's actually the one who just, he's never there for me, you know? Lies. Lies and slander. <laughs> Lies on Manelli. <laughs> But yeah, so they, with the gears now, Senku can hook up the water wheel um, to the human powered generator and now make it hydro powered. Acquired hydroelectric power plant. End of episode 20. Episode 21 Spartan Craft Club. Uh, so now they just need storage for their electricity because they have a constant stream of electricity, but they need somewhere to put it. So they decide that they're going to make some batteries using lead, plates, and sulfuric acid. So uh, the air blowing machine also gets hooked up to the um, water wheel where they make a like sliding gear 
you know, where it like pumps um, and so that they can make a proper pump to then hook up to the kiln to then have the the water, the wind, water mill rotating, pushing the gear forward, blowing the air into the kiln so that they don't need to manpower the blowing of that. So they constantly have high temperature kiln, so less manpower. They also attempt to make light bulbs. They're starting to try and like get light bulbs together. Um, and then there's a gathering montage and autumn comes and it's sunny and crispy and frosty and montage time and they play some nice music and it's like, ah, cool. Um, and then they figure out that they're, then they start working on vacuuming out the air from the bulbs because it took them all of that time from the montage where the autumn comes and it starts to get frosty and stuff for them to just make light bulbs and figure out a correct filament and stuff like that to make them. And then they vacuum out the air from the bulbs to get it to light up. Um, And now Senku brings everyone out at night, and it starts to snow, and they light up a tree, and boom, it's Happy Christmas. Uh, Who would have ever thought that Senku keeps track of the days and surprised everyone with the first Christmas in 3,700 years. So sweet. It It was incredibly sweet. I was like... Honestly, this is another one of those moments where it's like, I, like, one could potentially cry over this. It's just like, it's one of the first, like, true modern bits that you get to see in the show. It's just like, oh, that's, that's so cool. Mm-hmm. And it really is the way all the villagers react, and, too. And Gen. Because it was like, the villagers' reactions. Yeah, because yeah, Gen's obviously the only one who's experienced Christmas before because he's the only other one that was petrified. And um, so he's just like... Uh, and so Chrome's just like, oh, do you want to do it on another day now that it started snowing? And Senku's like, oh, no, I I want to do it today. We'll do it today. And he lights up the tree. And again, I think he says something like, oh, it's, it's like a Christmas tree. And he's like, oh, it should be about time for that. And he turns to, to Senku and, he's, and Senku's just like, yeah, actually, it is Christmas. What a coincidence. And Gen's just like, yeah, sure, it's a coincidence. You totally didn't plan this. Um it's yeah, it's a really sweet moment. Um, but yes, they then figure out that the next thing that they need to work on cell phones is to make those tiny little computer bulbs called um, vacuum. What are they called? Vacuum bulbs? Vacuum? Vacuum tubes? Vacuum tubes. And so that is the next step that they need to make these cell phones. So Chrome heads off. Um, he he grabs a torch because they now have light bulbs, so he makes a torch, straps it to his forehead, and um, goes off caving to grab some copper. Um, and while they're doing that, the the guys, yeah, they make those tiny little the 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 words not working for me um, vacuum <laughs> tubes uh, because they're considered like the gears of the electric world, which is something I didn't know about. So there you go. The more you know, have never done electricity. I don't know. I don't touch anything that could possibly shock me. Thanks. Um, <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> but basically, yeah, <laughs> when they're making the vacuum bulbs, they figure out that the bamboo filament that is inside the vacuum tube isn't strong enough. Um, and just as all hope is lost, uh, because yeah, there's no hope at like replacing that filament with something else because Senku's like, there isn't anything that's better than a bamboo filament in this day and age. Um, so we can't make it. We have to make up a new plan. Um, Suika is like, ah, oh, there must be something that I can do to help. So she starts looking through all the random objects and the random rocks that Chrome actually picked up on his way back from the caves, uh, in the caves while he was out collecting all that copper. 
And she brings one up with her to the top of the cliff um, when they go to watch the New Year's sunrise. And it glows with the dawn's ultraviolet light. Um, Tungsten, the world's strongest metal. It's a sheolite, I guess. I don't know if that's the name of the, the rock, but it's tungsten, the metal. And it is, that's what's used in modern filaments, but it's a super, 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 super rare gem. And that's why Senko is like, there's nothing better. But just kidding, it's in their magical cave of everything that's inside their magical cave, because this cave has literally everything that you could ever need in it, except for nitric acid, because of course that's in Tsukasa's cave. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so Senko's like, okay, well, I'm going to grab some buds and we're going to go into that cave and we're going to collect some more of this tungsten to be able to make what we need for the cell phones. And that is the end of episode 21. Episode 22, the treasure. Uh, so yeah, they're like, Senko's like, okay, so my team of people that are going to be coming with me, we're going to have magma, we're going to have chrome, and we're going to have me. Aaron's like, why are you going to take magma? He's going to kill you. He's like, well, Tungsteen is tough as all hell. So I need your buffness so that you can like smash it up a bit so I can have the chunks and take him back and, and make him into things. But magma has murderous intent. Um, I mean, he's already an attempted murderer because he attempted to murder again earlier on in the series. And then he was like, ah, oh, that's cool. Ruri's going to die so that I can, I'm going to marry her. She's going to die. And then I'm going to become chief. Like he's not a, a very nice guy um, <laughs> up until this point. Uh, but Gen actually says something to him before they leave that we don't get to know about. Gen has secret plans. Um, and so the trio get caving. Chrome has his doubts about magma, justifiably so, but they end up walking into the cave and they end up walking on mica, which is really, really dangerous because it's like this really, 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 really brittle rock that if you tread on, it could shatter and, and the ground could break underneath you. And the way that this mica had been like deteriorating over time, it accreted these like pitfalls. And if they fall in, anything like a slight bang or like, any kind of chipping away a rope would just cause it all to cave in around you um, and you would be stuck underneath this huge pile of this very brittle rock. So it gets really dangerous. Uh, and as they're walking through it, Senku actually steps wrong and Magma tries to save him. He like tries to to like push him out of the way. But in doing so, he kind of falls into the pitfall himself and he's like hanging onto Senku's arm who is on the edge and Senku's like trying to pull him up but Senku's also a big skinny science nerd and uh, Magma is one hefty dude of a dude. So Chrome actually missees the situation and misinterprets the situation and assumes that Magma was trying to push Senku in and Senku dodged out the last minute. And it, it ends up being that both Senku and Magma fall into the bottom of this pit because Senku isn't very strong. Chrome ends up pouring, like coming up with the idea to pour water into the pit from a nearby pond internally in the cave to lift them out. And this is where the worst case scenario is hugs. Um, <laughs> because, yeah, he pours the water into the cave, actually uses like a tube when you like trying to get gas out of a car and you like suck on the tube to get the gas out and it like um, then like disperses out, you know? Um, okay. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I was getting ready to make a joke of please don't siphon vehicle out of gas kids, but I was like, you know what? Awkward silence sounds like a better idea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
yeah, no, please don't don't swallow gasoline either as well. If you must do it for whatever reason, yeah, don't swallow it. Don't don't get that in your mouth. Be careful, please. <laughs> yeah, if ever need be, like try to find try to find a safe way of getting gasoline out of a vehicle because otherwise yeah, try and Oof. try and find a pump or something. But that is a way that works. Yeah, it um, does actually work, it's and just... it's actually a really cool science experiment that you can do at home in your own bathtub, like they talk about in the show. Just fill the tube up full yes. of water, and then take one end. Don't do it in an American bath uh, in, a, in an American house, please. Uh, in Japan, they have drains in the floors of their bathrooms. Uh, you don't have a drain in the floor of your bathroom in America unless you live in a very specific kind of house. Um, so you'll just make a puddle on the floor that could seep through below. So please don't do that in your house. Do, Try and do, do it, it into in a like bucket a, or the toilet, yeah. something. I don't know. But you have to make sure that the tube that's out of the water hangs lower than the water surface. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's what Chrome does. And he ends up pouring the water into the um, pit. And they start rising, obviously, because when humans are in water, we're quite buoyant creatures and uh yeah we tend to um we can float pretty easily uh but senku is big skinny um and uh, because senku is big skinny he is getting cold faster so magma lifts him up onto his shoulders and pushes him out of the water and senku is able to get out of the water faster than magma who then has to wait for it to fully rise because like magma's got more body heat um and this is where it's like the worst case scenario could have been that you died. No, the worst case scenario would have been that we would have had to have hugged each other for warmth. Hilarious. <laughs> and so yeah, they end up after they they dry off a bit. They'll tre- they trek further into the cave, which is where they find a bunch of exciting rocks. Yay! They find a cycon uh, cycon deposit. Nah. Which is basically just like hot water was dripping over these rocks and was seeping into the rocks um, that was coming like up through like other different things. And because of all of the different chemicals that were in the water and the heat of the water and different parts of the rock seeping in different parts of the water chemicals, uh, it basically created like a deposit of a bunch of different kind of rocks all together. Like it's one big rock, but it's made up of a bunch of different types of rock because of the fact that it was absorbing this water that had different elements in it when it was going over the the rock for hundreds of millions of years. You know what I mean? Funsies. Mm -hmm. So many funsies. Funsies, yeah. Uh, So they start whacking at it and collecting all of the stuff that they need. Um, And a bunch of other fun stuff as well. Not just what they need, but like other exciting things. And so... But this is where there's also a uh, a conversation of Senku being like, hey, Magma, I know that you weren't trying to kill me. You were actually trying to help me. And Chrome's like, I'm sorry. And Magma admits that he was actually planning on killing them. So it's cool. It's fine now. Um, and <laughs> Friends. Yeah. Officially acquired Tungsteen. And uh, yeah, so then they collect a bunch of cool stuff. Cave of Friendship. Just kidding. That was really embarrassing. Magma makes uh, them return back early, earlier than they would have liked, because Gen actually asked him to have Senku back after three days. Um, he also blinds Senku and uh, blind blinds Senku, blindfolds him. He doesn't just like <laughs> spray acid in his eyes or anything. No, he blindfolds him um, and uh, takes him into the village. And Gen is acting all kinds of creep. But just kidding. Surprise. Happy birthday. Here's a telescope and a full observatory. January 4th is Senku's birthday. 
And Gen has heart-eyed loved Senku since he saw the unpetrification tree. Basically, when Senku was unpetrified, he wrote the date of the day that he was unpetrified um, and uh, on the tree. Um, and Gen was like, he was conscious that whole time, counting all the stuff, and he's has been like admiring of Senku ever since. Um, and then Senku's like, that's kind of creepy, yo. And he's like, yeah, I know. And then they just go back to being bros. Um, but it's like kind of a sweet <laughs> It's kind of a sweet moment um, of them having a little bit of a bonding experience. And Gen also kind of revealing that he wasn't down with Tsukasa and Tsukasa's kind of way of living from the very beginning. Because as soon as he was unpetrified and he saw the tree, he was like, okay, that dude's kind of more on my wavelength. Um, and I want to get to know Senku. And so, yeah, it's kind of like giving you more awareness of Gen and Gen's thought path and why he reacted and acted the way that he did when he was trying to spy on Senku at the very beginning, you know? Episode 23, Wave of Science. Mm -hmm. They get a bunch of tungsten shock. They did that last episode. But uh, they need that for the vacuum tubes. They also need plastic, microphone, and gold wire to make the phone. So yeah, they start working on the filaments. And Magmire is like their friend now. They're all buddy-buddy. And the chief's like, how did that happen? And Senku's like, ah. Oh yeah, Magma hits the tungsten, grinds it up, and makes it into a toothpaste kind of stuff. Uh, but they need pinpoint heating to be able to cure it. Uh, because it's like toothpaste, but they need it to be like a formed metal wire, so I have to like cook it. But the one thing is, is that tungsten to be able to cook uh, has to be at a higher temperature than glass can withstand. So they don't have any kind of like platform that they can put it on to be able to cook it and get it to the temperature that it needs to be. So... Senku's like, hey, Chrome, you figure out how to do pinpoint heating. I'm going to keep working on this tungsten toothpaste stuff. And he high fives him. Um, and then the old man's like, I want to, he's kind of like adorable and stuff. He's like, I want to, I want to be, uh, I want to have a high five too. Can I have a high five? I want to be your friend. And everyone's like, we are your friends. And then he gets mad buff. Um, and yeah, that's a, <laughs> a moment. <laughs> Um, Senku recruits Gen and uh, he's like okay so this is what I need you to do the, combine this chemical with this chemical and add it to this chemical subtract this chemical da, 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 da. and Gen's just like okay I got like one step of that and Senku's like you're supposed to be a man a modern man and he's just like yeah no um, and I'm like I feel you Gen I am with you yeah we're good buds <laughs> um, like I, I I didn't follow any of it either so you're fine you're not alone Gen's not alone we all get it <laughs> Good. Yeah, sure. It's funny how, like, in the beginning, they're explaining all of the science, and then once they get, like, past episode, I don't know, like, 13, it just turns to montage after montage, because there is just so much science that it's just like, yeah, nobody's gonna understand this or follow this, so we're just gonna skip through all of this. Yeah, like, they they start taking out a lot of steps, because they, yeah. otherwise, we'd have been here for, like, 87 episodes, mm -hmm. just just to try to build this fucking cell phone. Yeah. So then Chrome goes ham and they make the tungsten toothpaste and the tungsten filament is created. Boom, bang, bing. All done. Um, yeah, Chrome makes this giant contraption with the pinpoint heating because Senku's like, throw all the science you know at it. And so Chrome's like, okay, uh, what science do you want? Yes. And that's how it happens. <laughs> um, 
And so yeah, the tuxedo element is created. The old man actually ends up making a Hickman pump, which if you don't know what that is, uh, I recommend giving that a Google and looking at the masterful glasswork because uh, yeah, this dude in a primitive age of technology who never handled glass before, um, meeting Senku about six months earlier, or probably eight months earlier at this point, nine months earlier, manages to make one just fine. But basically the reason why they need that is because the last pump that they did to get out the majority of the air from the last light bulb to make sure that the filament burned for a long period of time as opposed to burning out because of the oxygen in the light bulb um, wasn't strong enough to be able to create a true vacuum inside the other thing. I think that's how that works. I don't know. I could have just got that science very, very wrong. I was trying my best, okay? Works for me. But yeah, in exchange for the hard work, the old man wants a high five um, and he gets one and it's real cute. It was such a cute moment. (laughs) Yeah, it's so sweet. Uh, And then Suika's like, ah, us kids need to work hard too. So then they start working intensely on the gold wire because they're like, how much gold wire do you want? And Senku's like, oh, from here to the top of that mountain, please. And I'm like, (laughs) okay. Um, (laughs) So then, uh, yeah, Senku then gets started on working on plastic. Uh, Senku basically needs a ton of coal ash. So he ends up setting up internal chimneys in all of the huts with copper furnace uh, heating in them as well. So now they have like furnaces inside there. They're just like a coal furnace, but he actually officially makes one for them. Um, so then he can use all of the coal ash and everyone's like, oh, I'm just doing this to make coal ash, coal ash. but also um, now the entire village has heating and everyone is feeling warmer and the old people aren't going to die this winter. So, you know, uh, I totally just did it for the coal ash though. <laughs> and so then Gen uh, gets to work making the tiny zinc carbon batteries and cue the music. Uh, there's a little like music, m- musical number. There's a musical number to him making the, the zinc carbon batteries, which is hilarious. It's really I, funny. I like how most of the like music in the show is done in English, even in the sub version. Yeah. Like all yeah. of like Lily and stuff that you hear throughout it is in English. It's done in English, yeah. And yet this one bit in the sub and the dub was kept in Japanese. <laughs> yeah. Like that humored me to no it's... end. But it like it's it's catchy though, so I, I understand why they didn't like transfer it over. <laughs> Cause I could still hear the beat in my head. Like you oh, just yeah. got that restuck in my head. Thank uh-huh. you. Uh-huh. You're welcome. <laughs> <Jerk>. You're welcome. <laughs> Um, but it was, I was not expecting that at all when I first watched it. I was like, okay, cool. That's what we're, that's what we're working with now. It was really funny though. But yeah, Senku quickly whips up some mic crystals from the wine crusties and there's another montage. Uh, <laughs> and in that montage, the wires are cleared, mics are cleared, plastic cleared, and the vacuum cells are cleared. Acquired cell phone. Um, just for those of you who don't actually, haven't actually seen the show and are listening to all of these spoilers, this cell phone isn't like a cell phone. It's like boxes of things with wires connecting to them. Like it's, it's what you would imagine the very first phone to kind of look like, you know, it's, it's not like a cell phone. No, not in the slightest. Yeah. Basically he's working off, I guess, radio waves of being like, yeah, like a giant walkie talkie. (laughs) That's kind of, I guess, what he's going for. But uh, now we just need another one. You need two cell phones <laughs> to make a call. Episode 24, the last episode. Voices over infinite distance. Everyone's like, oh my god, we need another one? What? 
But yeah, they test the phone now that they have now because they can use it as a cabled phone. They just can't have it as a non-cabled phone yet. I guess the reason why it's so big is because it's not only like the speaker and the microphone, it's also like the 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 cell phone tower that we have nowadays that are just like everywhere. They had to make that inside of the the contraption to be able to release and receive the radio signals, not just like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Anyways. <laughs> Anyways. Like the show does a really good job of visualizing it. Yeah, it absolutely does. So yeah, Chrome is going to be the first one to uh, say what he needs to say over the phone. And he gets to he gets to be the first one to speak for the villagers to hear and for well them to speak. You know, he gets he gets to say the first thing over the phone, and everyone's like, "Hey, you should uh, tell Ruri how you feel," and he's just like, "Science is cool." <laughs> And everybody's just like, ah, oh. um, yeah. I just put science brain took over, um, uh, yeah. And then Ruri just goes, huh? It's like a speaker. And then Seku's like, how do you know what a speaker is? And then she's like, you know, like a bee, like the type of bee, a speaker bee. He's like, what do you mean a speaker bee? And that's when Ruri says that story number fourteen was when a talkative being named Speaker put his needle tail into a gravestone and was able to talk for the dead. Um, and so then Senku's like, okay, let's go check out Ishigami's grave then. Let's go check out my dad's grave. Um, and they figure out that it is actually a time capsule. So they break it open and inside is a glass record. It was the bottom of a glass bottle. Um, and back in, the t- back in the day, they used an electric razor and a wedding rings diamond to carve it. Um, and Senku whips up a quick gramophone, because cash, and with a bone needle and a couple of gears and some other odds and sods, acquired record player. There's an almost emotional message from his dad. I think that's what you were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Like almost. And then he's like, ah, we don't, we don't need that crap. <laughs> yeah. It's like, Senku, it's you, right? I know you're the one to to be here. I can feel it. And I just want to say, ah, never mind. I know that you don't care about that. <laughs> and so then his dad's like, yeah, there's something I want you to hear. And then he spins around and Lillian starts singing somehow with reverb, piano, guitar and other stuff. But like, we'll just skip over that. Well, they had like, I think the one thing they didn't have was piano, but like they did have an acoustic and drums. Yeah. But they also had reverb on her voice. Like, okay. And auto-tune. Yeah. But you know, we'll just. Wait, we're, we're going to pretend that that didn't happen. No, that didn't happen. Um... But honestly, like this was the part that like, choked me up almost yeah it was sweet like this is one that almost like hit me the hardest because like you and i both know like how much like music and music anime mean to the both of us Mm -hmm. and so like it like oh and like seeing how all the villagers reacted to it Mm -hmm. and it just i guess it just hit me so hard because i was like these people have never heard music before Mm -hmm. and so like how like incredible that would have to be for them and i was just like uh, uh, oh. <laughs> yeah yeah that is actually it, it was a really really sweet moment for them to have experienced music for the first time because you also get to see Li- Lillian being sad about the fact that all of this music that she uh, has spent her life studying and loving and experiencing is going to be lost forever um, and so it's also like that on top of it that she is passing down um, the her craft to the next set of humans you know 
Mm -hmm. And honestly, like, I'm curious how, like, music kind of didn't get passed down because of, like, lullabies and everything else. Yeah, it it kind of didn't, but it also kind of did, because when they were wheeling in the ramen cart to the village, Suika was playing a kind of flute instrument. All I could think of was, like, Ocarina of Time (laughs) with that, like, Zelda's Ocarina. Yeah. Yeah. Or The Legend of Zelda's Ocarina that was in that game. Whatever. You get my point. Yeah. Um, I can speak words. I can speak words. I can word the things. Yeah, the village is actually pretty shaken up by the music. Not, like, negatively. Just, like, oh my god, emotions. And Senku explains art of the modern world, or ancient, I suppose, world, to the village. He explains about, you know, movies and and video games and music and... The fact that there's this whole other side, because up until this point, Senku's only really discussed with them the science and structure of the world, but because he's a, that's, a, that's his forefront of his mind is science. Um, and so it kind of was the first time, I think, that he spoke with them about this whole other side of the world, which is more the culture of the world as opposed to um, just the technology. And so the villagers actually end up getting really hyped up uh, because of that. And they're like, yeah, we want to get everyone back. We're motivated to revive all of these people that were petrified. And then everyone's like, okay, well, I guess this is where we're going to make the connection to the other two. Let's let's find Taiju and Yuzuriha, um, who are currently being watched right now by Sikrasa. And they officially go to war. And that is the end of the season. Yeah, they are they are bastards where they ended this. <laughs> yeah, I know. They ended it before the war even started, even though they've been like hyping up to the war this whole time. But it's like, Yuzuriha, Taiju, we're going to connect to them. It's like, okay, yeah, we're going to team up. The village is a little hyped to get everyone unpetrified. And then it's just like, yeah, we're at war. <laughs> End. Season two confirmed. I was so mad. I mean, I was glad that they put in the in the show season two confirmed because I was like, yeah. Cool. I'd like to know that season two has been confirmed, but also, why did you have to end now? <laughs> and so, now that <clears throat> now that we've gotten through the whole anime, what would you rate it? Nine. I I would like that's where I was betting you would land at with this. <clears throat> yeah, it's right up my alley. Oh yeah, without a doubt. Like I picked this one solely to play into your hands. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's that. That's about where I was expecting you to go with it. And what about you? I'd say probably eight and a half. Mate, I don't know. Like, yeah, <laughs> I was debating between eight and a half and nine. But yeah, I feel like it would have been very easy to just straight up give it a nine. But <laughs> sorry, coughing fit. <laughs> yeah, excuse, <laughs> excuse me. Excuse me while but, I die for a second. Yeah, so since I was since I had to rewatch the first six episodes of this like four or five times, I feel like it kind of like took its toll out of me a little bit. To where mm-hmm. like I feel like it kind of got a little bit oversaturated, so it's none of the fault to the show itself. But I feel like it just kind of wore me out showing it to so many people. But here's the thing about it. I feel like I'm gonna like I'm gonna push it up to a nine. And the reason being is because just the sheer amount of people that I've gotten into the show. And, like, that's just a testament yeah. to the show. Like, this, 
you wouldn't think right off the bat that this is something that you could show somebody who's not an anime fan or a weeb or an otaku or whatever you want to call them. Like that's, Even non-sciencey people would enjoy this. Yeah, and like that's the thing. Like I just literally showed it to friends of mine who are not anime fans at yeah. all. Yeah. And they just fell for the show, hook, line, and sinker, to where it's just like, wow, this show is... Like, it's powerful, and it has, like, so much to it. There's so much depth that people can latch onto, but also, it's incredibly relatable, because I think it's something that as we all were going through school, and we were taught about, like, the Stone Ages and everything else, we were all kind of wonder, like, at some point, what would happen if we were there? Mm-hmm. And then the show just takes such an amazing approach to that, and also, like, how, like, you could potentially return back to modern society because of it, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, the show is definitely, like, there's definitely a lot to it. Yeah, I was just thinking about it. I was, I was doing some, some in-depth thinking about my criticisms <clears throat> on the show. I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to give it an eight, actually. I think, I have this thing where when I finish a show, I'm like, it was the best thing I've ever seen. And then, like, I think about it critically, and I have to, like, calm down <laughs> a little bit. So I think I'm going to give it an eight. Um, I really, really love the show. I have mad respect for all the research that went into the show. Um, we're going to go into the BTS uh, bits of it in a second because there was a BTS episode that they put in it where you get to learn a bit about the back, the behind-the-scenes stuff. Obviously, it's a BTS episode. Um, and um, and that was really, really interesting to watch. But I did have some criticisms of the show, and I can't... I know I had a big one last last podcast episode but i can't remember what it was that i had a criticism for and i think that there were some parts that felt a little bit slow not the first time watching it through but the second time watching it through and i think it there is an element like i'm not sure i would re-watch this a million times over i don't think i would i really really like it but i think once i've watched it i'm satisfied you see i feel like it's probably something that i would potentially mm. well i mean i did watch it a second time through just for the podcast itself but with the amount of time in between the first and second seasons, I feel like it'd be worth watching a second time through yeah. if you watched it originally yeah. like I did whenever the first season was coming out week to week. So that way you get a full recap going into season two really quick. So I feel like it has a little bit of... Yeah, I think I will probably rewatch it before I watch season two. Yeah, like I feel like it actually has rewatchability, but I think for you, since you watched it right off the... Like, basically, within a two- or three-day span, you watched it twice. Yeah. So, I feel like that might be what kind of hindered it to you a little bit. Yeah. Although, I will say, I did watch it, like, five... (laughs) I watched the first six episodes, like, four or five times. I watched it so many times. But also, like, those first five or six episodes, or however many it was that I watched with everybody, like, there's... Like, the jokes were still hilarious. Like, the the, the part of Taiju yelling that Yuzuriya doesn't have a dick. Like, yeah. that, that still tickles me to no end. I guess because I'm 12. But anyway, that's besides the point. Like, that joke repeated over. Like, so, I don't know. I guess it could become a little bit mundane, considering, like, the show starts off very slow. I didn't have an issue with with the way that the show starts off. I don't think that that... I mean, I'm a slice-of-life person, so, like, that's not a big deal for me. Um, well, like, as like as a rewatch, though, like, since we know everything, it's incredibly slow. I think that the, the thing that... I don't know. I think that I 
Because it's not like I find it slow. I find segments of them, segments of it lasting too long. That, so, like, I, I, maybe it's an ADD thing, I'm not sure. But, like, it takes a lot for me to not become conscious of the fact that I'm watching a show. Like, I love being able to watch a show or a movie um, and not realize that I'm watching a show or a movie, not be conscious of the fact that I'm watching a show or a movie while I'm watching it. You know, fully encaptured in the story. I'm not conscious. Throughout watching this, there were times when I became conscious of the fact that I was watching the show. And because of that, I can't give it a really high score. But I think 80%, an 80, an 8 out of 10. Yeah, I feel pretty solid about giving it that score. Hmm. But yeah, anyway, let's go into the behind the scenes of Dr. Stone. So uh, this behind the scenes episode does go through a lot of the actual animation process, how they make things the way that they do. Really hard for me to explain over a podcast. So I think that it would probably be best if you're interested in how they make animation to just go and watch the episode yourself. It is between episode, what did you say, 12 and 13? It's between episodes 11 and 12. 11 and 12. So... It's like 11.5, whatever the hell you want to call it. Yeah. But it's like incredibly interesting, like how they talk about how each frame is animated, the way that they do the background and how it's all like pieced together and added on mm-hmm. and the difference between key frames and in between frames and like the amount of research that they went into because they like they legitimately went to like glass blowing workshops and actually tried mm-hmm. to make test tubes and they went and got seashells and even talked about how like whenever taiju was breaking the seashells how like he actually broke them to see how they would break yes yeah um so while i was watching it i did take a couple of notes on interesting things that i did find throughout the episode but i didn't take like concise uh notes throughout the entire episode like i do for the actual story episodes because like like i said like i can't explain how they make animation verbally you need to be able to see that um but yeah there were a couple of things that i did find super interesting and one of the things was that the director specifically sought out younger more unknown talent not just in like the voice acting side of things but also in the animation in the assistant directing um in the producing and all those kinds of stuff um to give them a challenge to challenge them to give them an a a piece of work i thought that was really interesting i really like the fact that they did that we did discuss that kind of in the first podcast episode on this subject um and another thing, the anime is really direct of an adaptation of the manga. Like, they actually, like, dissected. They have pages of the manga that they have, like, ripped apart the, the books so that they can, like, overlay the visuals and the art from the manga into... So it's not just a storyline that's really close. They tried to really keep the the art style the same, which I thought was really interesting. <clears throat> Um, oh, one thing that I thought was fascinating was there. there's about two or three times more expressions in these characters' faces than in standard anime. I thought that was so interesting, and I could definitely tell. Oh, yeah, because, like, watching. all of the expressions in the show, like, they are very emotive in the show. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's a testament to, like, how many times they had to, like, redraw those different faces in all the characters. For 24 episodes as well. It's not even, like, a 12-episode anime. And I think they said, like, a standard anime episode has about 300 frames. 300 shots per episode drawn by 20 different people. And, like, this anime had higher on a good bit of episodes. Yeah, so 300 shots is, like... Like, 5 to 10 seconds a piece, give or take. 
Yeah, well, it's like, uh, so one example that they used is when Senku is looking down, he wipes his hair out of his face, he looks up, and then he opens his eyes. And that is the shot. And that is, there's 300 of those shots per episode. So just like, I mean, how many seconds does that take? I think like the final animation on it was like four seconds from like the time he wiped it away and then he said what he said. Because I think it was the end of an episode where he wiped that wiped his hair out of his face. It was like, get excited. Yeah. And then they were talking about, they made like this, they showed the storyboard of that. Then they showed, um, they showed the director's drawing of that in the storyboard. They then showed the assistant director drawing it. They then showed it going back to the director for him to finalize it. They then showed it going to another person who did it on some green paper for some reason. I don't know. Then they overlaid that. Then it went to the digital artists who then did it um, on the computer. And then they did only like three drawings. And then it went into all of the in-between drawings that happens between those three drawings. And then that went to the people who were coloring it. And then that went to the background artists who were implementing that in. And yeah, so 20 different people for those for like per shot and then there's 300 shots per episode yeah there there is a lot like it's an absolutely fascinating process yeah and it's just like the way it broke it all down and explained it all was awesome Mm -hmm. yeah and then they also go into talking about creating a um, cohesive overview of the world basically because they're trying to like figure out the locations of this new world. They're trying to, and because uh, there's so many different locations, they were trying to make sure because like they're like normally in anime. I mean, you think about Yule in April. There's like what the the um house, um then there's the school, and then there's the auditorium, and then there's the hospital. It's like four locations for an entire series, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas in this. There's so many more locations because there's the village, then there's the science lab, then there's the original place, then there's Tsukasa's place, and then there's the caves, and then there's the hot springs, and then there's just the forest, and there's other patches of the forest. There's so many different locations that um, they were trying to make sure that even that when you were watching, you kind of got a cohesive overview of what the world looks like, despite the fact that they're all individual locations. You kind of had an idea in your mind, episode to episode. I thought that was really interesting when they were talking about that. I also thought it was super interesting when they were going into the fact that they wanted to make, because they talk about the music for Sweeker's Glasses. We did talk about this in the first podcast episode, but they go into that and about why they added extra shots in so that the lines of dialogue were more spaced out so that they could focus on the music so that you could get a more of an emotional attachment to that moment when Sweeker puts on the glasses for the first time and is able to see. And that was really cool how they talk into doing that. And then obviously, like you said, um, they go into talking about um, how they had like actual rocks and gemstones for reference and how they crushed seashells and then went glass blowing blowing and stuff. Oh, another thing that I thought was really interesting um, was that they had troubles with not being able to color code their characters because they were all in animal skins. And of course, all animal skins are earth tones. But normally in an anime, you're like, okay, that's the main character because they're wearing red. That's a side character because they're wearing green. That person is the evil villain because he's wearing black. But it's like, okay, well, they're all in earth tones. So how are we going to make these each character distinctive? And I thought it was really interesting them thinking and talking about that Mm, like they like they put so much thought and effort into this and it really showed throughout the anime but especially in this behind the scenes episode yeah 
The one thing I will say about this behind the scenes episode is that there were two errors in the subtitles. Was there? Yeah, there's two errors in the subtitles. You just you're just being real nitpicky today. I'm just being real nitpicky. I I just I noticed that and I was like, I'm gonna put that in my notes. Um <laughs> yeah. I was like, I saw the first one and I was like, huh, that's unusual for Crunchyroll to have an error in the subs. And I was like, wait, is that a second one? There's two errors. So now I feel like I'm going to be especially picky looking out for errors in the subtitle. There was none throughout the show, just in the behind the scenes episode, there was two. Hmm. Yeah. I feel like I might have noticed them and I was like, huh, that's weird. And then just glossed over it. But now that you actually mention it, I was like, <laughs> I think I'm, because I think they put there twice, like T-H-E-R-E twice yeah, on the first one. To where it's just like, huh, <laughs> that's a thing. So there may have even been three errors, because I don't remember that being one. I just remember there being two typos. But, yeah, it was it was awesome to get to see the whole process and, like, see it all, like, how it all came together. And how, mm-hmm. like, every person is incredibly, like, it really puts into perspective how every single person who works on one of those projects is just as vitally important as the rest of them. Yeah, absolutely. Because you see, like, through the credits, like, who all works on something. It's like, oh, okay. And then it broke it down on what each individual person does and how many times they have to draw something. And then it's like, oh, Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, yeah. And, like, how, like, the, how one person was in charge of literally, like, fixing every drawing to make them all look uniform. And I was like, that's legit. Yeah, that was the green paper dude, right? Yes. Yeah. I knew there was a purpose for that green paper. I was like, there's green paper in there somewhere. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But yeah. uh, So that, what did you think of the behind the scenes episode? Would you be interested in more animes, including those behind the scenes episodes? I think so. And especially for like bigger titles, like here's what I need. I need my hero behind the scenes episodes for like big fight scenes. Mm -hmm. Like especially, oh my God. The fight between All Might and uh, All for One, mm-hmm. that would be, I would love to see the behind the scenes episode just like for that entire episode itself. Because my goodness, so much work had to go into that episode. Oh, it'd be so cool to see. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I think I think that wraps everything up. I think we covered basically everything we want to talk about. We gave it. I think so too. I I don't have anything else that I want to say. We gave it nice little grades. We talked about everything, including the behind the scenes. We did. Episodes. And I think we also talked about our, like, theories and whatnot that we wanted to talk about. Oh! No, there was a theory that I wanted to... What was it? Last... Because we talked about your uh, Yuzuriha theory yesterday. Yeah. And then we talked about Cotton Candy Girl today. Mm-hmm. Hamare. And I talked about Gin, so I think that covered... I think that covered mine. Yeah, maybe we did cover all of the theories. I feel like I'm forgetting something, but at the same time, I don't think I am because I feel like Gin was really the one that I wanted to talk about. Yeah, I feel like it's something I'm forgetting too. If we have forgotten a theory, maybe you'll hear about it in an upcoming episode. Maybe. And speaking of upcoming episodes following this one, we're going to have our usual Sunday episode of Given for Pride Month. Yeah. Uh, so I have actually already seen Given because it was recommended to me um, because you know how I love them music animes um, like Brad does as well. Um, and this is a music based anime, but it is also based um, around LGBT plus themes. Um, and as a bisexual gal myself, 
um, I do love to celebrate during June. And so we figured that um, we would have ourselves a bit of a pride party. Yeah, next weekend. Yes. So I'm looking forward to covering it because I've heard nothing but great things about the show. So I think... It's it's good. I definitely enjoyed it. It is a little bit emotional. So, yeah. So I've heard, like, I've heard, like, one of the, like, final scenes of the show, like, ripped a lot of heart outs for a lot of people. Yeah. Like, I I think it was one of the, like, final performances of the show or something like that. Yeah. I can't remember. All I know is, like, Crunchyroll made a huge deal about it for, like, weeks after it happened. So we were, like, I had to stay away from it because I, like, kept planning mm-hmm. on watching it. But I just kept putting it off because other things kept, like, coming out. Or I think at the time I was watching a shit ton of weeklies, so it just mm-hmm. got thrown on the back burner. So it'll be nice to actually be able to sit down and watch it. Yes. Um, I will just say, uh, I will put out that there is going to be a um, warning for mental health themes during that show. Uh, so, yeah, if you're, if you're going to check that out before we cover it or um, if you're going to check out the podcast episode... Uh, I'm going to put a, there, there is like a warning for covering topics that may cause, that may be triggering to certain people. So bear that in mind, just (laughs) getting heavy all there for a second. But yeah, I feel like we need to put that there from somebody who's Mm -hmm. seen the show. Yes. Uh, but yeah, I think that's about everything. So if you like us and you want to follow us on other platforms, um, you can follow Brad over on Twitch because he is a Twitch streamer sometimes, um, at Brad Carter Gaming. Um, he also has an Instagram at Brad Carter Gaming and he runs a, uh, Instagram that's just full of cactus pictures, um, at the adorable prick. And you can also follow the fantabulous Blue Lavender on Twitch, she streams Monday through Saturday, except for Wednesdays from 8 to 10 p.m. Mountain Standard Time at Blue mm-hmm. Lavender with an A. You can also follow her on Instagram and Twitter at Blue Lavender STM, also with an A. Mm-hmm. And then she also runs an adorable Instagram for Tilly, which is her golden at the best Tilly Bean. Yes. Although I haven't posted there for a while because she's camping with my parents right now. So I have no pics of her. Um, But yeah, if you like both of us and you want to follow the both of us or more stuff on the podcast specifically, uh, we are on most social media platforms, Twitter and Instagram, that kind of stuff, um, at B&B Anime. We also have a lovely website that you can go on and check out for all of our art projects, uh, voice projects, other stuff, and an archive of all of our other episodes um, at bnbanime.com. Um, and we also have a YouTube channel, uh, not just for the podcast, which is at BNB Anime, but also uh, we have at BNB Projects, where you can listen to some of our voice acting stuff that is also linked on the website as well. So it's super easy if you just go there. And both YouTube YouTube channels are linked to each other as well. So you can like hop on one from the other if you're good at exploring that way. But I think that's everything. Yeah, I think that covers everything. <laughs> so... Thank you all so much for listening. Blue and I greatly appreciate it. And we will catch y'all next time. Bye-bye. Bye.